0: That's good. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your children that have gathered together to hear from your word and to fellowship and to enjoy the sweet presence of Yahweh, the Lord of all the earth. And Father, Lord, we thank you because your presence is in our midst. The shout of the king is in our midst. The king is in our midst. And Father, Lord, you will speak uh, eloquently and with wisdom, O oh Lord, and you will speak to our hearts and you will transform our hearts, O oh Lord, and renew our hearts into your truth, O oh Master, so that we can be victorious and live victorious here in this earth. We thank you because your word is faithful that you will deliver us and redeem us and you have done that already in Christ Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Anoint my lips, O oh Master, to be able to bring your word accurately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God's been good. Uh, last time we studied about uh, of, I know we, it was a, a month back. We studied about which mountain are you on? Um, and it was one of the longest messages of a lifetime. It, it went for like three hours. Uh, there was a lot of material, but we did not really cover we hardly covered just one aspect of it called, are you you registered in Zion? <laughs> that that revelation itself was so big uh, i don 't know how uh, how how it's uh, how benefit, beneficial it has been that the fact that your name is registered in heaven uh, and we proved out through scriptures that psalms eighty seven is your birth certificate. it says very clearly that your name is written in heaven. Jesus told the disciples, rejoice that your name is written in heaven then uh, Paul says, Your citizenship is not from here, it is in heaven. So, there is an implication to your citizenship being heaven because simply because, I mean, you look at it, uh, there are different citizenships have different values, right? At least on the earth. I mean, being an American citizen has great benefits. You know, it opens a lot of doors, it has a lot of protection, it has a lot of benefits, and people rush into this country to get the citizenship. Then there are other citizenship which I will not... Leave named. People don't value for it. You know, It's almost like... If you tell that you're a citizen from that country... you might run into problems, right? I mean, there are bad, different levels. But God says, your citizenship is not from here. It is from heaven, right? So, why did this whole thing come about? Because we know that we are saved. We know we are saved, right? But Jesus says... If you're you are not of this world, and there's a reason why that statement holds a lot of value to believers, because for some reason, we as believers tend to suffer the same things that the world suffers, tend to, or are prone to suffering the same things that the world suffers. So the there is earthquake in the world, and there's earthquake in your life. There's a financial crisis in the world, and there's a financial crisis in your life. There is poverty in the world, and there's poverty in believers life. Then there is health crisis, so if you if you just poll the number of patients coming into the hospitals it's very hard to differentiate whether there's a believer or non-believer. You see an equal number of Christians walking into hospitals with terminal cases, right? Tough situations and an equal number of unbelievers coming into this. So how is it beneficial that you're in the world but you're still suffering all the things of the world? That's because there is this revelation of kingdom and citizenship that the enemy has intentionally, I mean, it is by strategy. He's like, he's already given up the fact that he cannot get you unsaved Because you accepted Jesus. Because that salvation is eternal, right? God God has said, he shall not blot out your name from the Lamb's book of life. It is eternal. But if he can somehow still get you to struggle here on earth, but he can only do it with your permission. See, because now you are Child of God, he doesn't have authority over you. Then he decides to deceive you that he has authority over you, and he can deceive your mind and make you suffer the same things that other citizens of the world suffer. So it's very interesting. Think about it. And what so we started off this whole series because we on Christmas Life team we talked about how God sent Jesus into the world so that we can serve the Father in holiness, in righteousness. All the days of our life, so we know that righteousness. Yes, we can serve God righteously, but then how is holiness? I thought holiness and righteousness is the same. Like you ask any believer, they say, "Is holiness same as righteousness?" They say, "Yeah, holiness, righteousness, same." You know, you are very holy. That means you are very righteous. But actually, that's not how the Bible looks at holiness. The Bible uses "holy of holies." In uh, Hebrew, it's called "Kodesh Kodeshim." Kodesh means separated one. Ah. Separated one. So holiness has to do with separation, righteousness has to do with your perfection. See the difference? The the enemy tries to mix this both things up uh, and gives you the connotation that righteousness and holiness is the same. You know? But righteousness and holiness is not the same. Righteousness is your perfection in God, which is perfect. That means you're righteous, that means you're right standing with God because you're perfect, right? Holiness is you're separated. That means you as a vessel cannot be defiled by the things that other vessels are defiled with. That is why the holy of holies means that place nobody else can go. Make sense? So holiness is also part of the gift of salvation that Jesus brought. So question is how are we now holy? Ah, that's what we say. God saved. Jesus bought brought us just not salvation, but he also bought us holiness. Are you getting it? So he brought us holiness. So then the question is, okay, I agree. I, at least I'll take it by faith that I'm holy. That means, according to the uh, Bible, I'm separated. Say separated. Yes, right. So I'm separated. So, but I'm still on, in the world. So how am I separated in the world? Interesting. Then you say, no, 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 what it means is, I need to stay, I need to be holy in my conduct, I need to be uh, careful, I don't engage into sin. Is that what it's saying? That you could never do it. With the law, you could not do it. Without the law, you could not do it. I mean, you only struggled, even before Jesus doing it, I mean, you still struggle with sin, even right now. But how is it that God says, now you are holy? He says, now you are holy. It's the whole issue of citizenship. You're registered now in Zion. You are, you are right now in Mount Zion, and which is what we studied the last passage. And I'm not going to take three more hours to <laughs> lay that foundation of last time that you are registered in heaven, right? You are just taken by faith and the message is already online in livingthevictory.org and you can go back and listen to it. It's called Which Mountain You Are On and you can listen to it. It's a long message, but it's a good message. It's a foundational message. You can go back and read the passage. So So what we studied last time is, the word Zion, Mount Zion in scripture that we always look at it and think that it's talking about the thousand year rule of Christ on the earth or heaven is really now for you. You are in Zion now. See, it's never taught, it's never preached, but you are not looking forward to being in Zion. You're not looking forward to being the thousand year reign of Christ. You are in Mount Zion now. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Are you trying to say that you are in Zion right now? Yes. Do you want proof? And we took a whole passage last night of Hebrews chapter... Hebrews chapter 12. Completely said how you are, you are already in Mount Zion. Let's go to that chapter once again and then we'll quickly run into the, some of the other... Concepts. I, I want to cover four important aspects of this Mount Zion... Which will bless you so much today. You will be so blessed when you see this power of being on Mount Zion to to you. If you see this. Because it's a deception that the enemy doesn't want you to realize. He doesn't want you to realize that you are on Mount Zion right now. So he's preparing for the world for a big shaking. He wants you to be shaken also. Right? But if you know that you are on Mount Zion, you cannot be shaken. Make sense? Right. So, So he says, so are you on Mount Zion is your question. Are we on Mount Zion? Okay, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, okay, so we, we went through the whole passage last time, but let's go to just the core, core, core verses, verse 18 to 24, for we have not come to a mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, to blackness, darkness of tempests, the sound of trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. For as much as the beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Look at this mountain. This mountain is Mount Sinai. Correct? It's it's darkness and tempest and fear and fire. and, And Paul is saying, you have not come to this mountain. Ah. Thank God. Because that mountain nobody could bear. Right? All the Jews could not bear. it. nobody who saw it bear. In fact, it produced sin. Actually, immediately after the law was given there, immediately it created a fear of God. And it, it made them uh, create a golden calf. I thought the more fear of God you put in people, the more they will stay upright. They will run away from sin. Right? That's what the world tells you. Hey, just give the... Put in them the fear of God. <laughs> Actually, we use that word even right now. Put in them the fear of God. Means what? They will not do the things that God doesn't want you to do. Guess what it produced? Set. Right away it produced it. The first, the first act. They broke the first law. The first law was you shall have no other gods before me. And immediately. I mean, the, because the fear of God produced. The evil in their hearts. The law produced evil because they knew that this God I cannot serve. He's a consuming fire. I, cannot, I just cannot meet Him. So if I cannot meet the standards, I, I might as well as go all the way. Right? Right. Look at that. Look at how the mind thinks. You know, many times you look as a young boy, a young man or young woman. When you went that extra mile and sinned that sin that you didn't want to sin. And once you're sinned, you have sinned, you come under so much condemnation, now he's like, okay. As well as now go all the way. Right? See how deceptive it is. So the fear of God as, as under the law was not... So every law has a mountain. So the law of Moses has a mountain. And that mountain is called Mount Sinai. And that mountain you cannot touch. The moment you touch it, the law hits you. book. Book. That's why all these arrows that hit you are these arrows that come out of Mount Sinai. If you feel condemned and you are afraid, remember you are touching a wrong mountain in your life. You are touching Mount Sinai, where you are touching law all the time. No, 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 no. I cannot do that. I'll be. I'm condemned. Oh, I'm bad. So you're touching this mountain. Okay. But he says what? You have not come to that mountain. Who is not my words? This is holy scripture. It says you have come to what mountain? But say but. I like that, but <laughs> that's one but that you like. Uh, verse 22: For but you have come to now start jotting the things that you have come to Mount Zion and look at the characteristics of Mount Zion here, and we'll run through very quick. I want you to all go through this verse, I want you to all look at your Bible when you're when, I, when I'm reading this. But you have come to Mount Zion, say Mount Zion. Okay, that's the first word. So you have come, or are you going to come? Oh, hallelujah! Are you going to go to Mount Zion? So are you going to go to Mount Zion after you die? Are you Are you sure? Now this is this is the truth. This will change your life. I'm telling you, this will change your life. If we just sit on this one verse, what says? For you have come hold it, I mean I'm not going to rush this <laughs> because the enemy has been doing this because he's picked up all these scriptures on Mount Zion that you read in the Old Testament of Isaiah Zephaniah, Zechariah Obadiah, Joel he all, Psalms Second Samuel uh, Jesus talking about mountain, he says all this and he'll, he'll push it to this place called hell. and then he, if he if you're a little more spiritual, he'll push it to the thousand year reign of Christ. But everything, he'll push it to in the future. Why? Why? Because in the meantime, you have to touch, stay on a mountain. Guess which mountain you're going to stay on? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Because Mount Sinai, the whole world knows Mount Sinai. Whether you've read the Bible, or you've watched Charles... Charles Charleston Heston's movie The Ten Commandments or you have unbelievers everybody knows Mount Sinai because everybody you ask a guy who is not a believer hey what should you do to go to heaven oh I should be good man I should not kill people like Osama I should I should not you know uh, do this everybody knows Mount Sinai you do no need nobody needs to teach them Mount Sinai because they know it's part of their conscience when Adam fell the law condemned him in his conscience. And that conscience ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's Mount Sinai. There. The knowledge of good and evil came there. It's not going to go away. So that evil conscience is in everybody. So Satan wants you to live on Mount Sinai. Because that's the only way he can accuse you and kill you. Because he has authority over that mountain. Because you break a law, you're going to get condemned. But he says, you have come to Mount Sinai. Okay, let's look at it. You have come to Mount Zion. Say, I have come. I mean, this is not my words. It's the Bible's verse. You have already come to this mountain. So, right now, you are physically on earth. But you are actually, in your spirit, you are already on Mount Zion. Make sense? No, this is, you can't see it. But you are there. Let me give you an example. If the Queen, queen, queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, if she comes to Dallas, right? Okay? If she comes to Dallas. Did we talk about this before last time? No. If she comes to Dallas, where is she? She is in Dallas. Is she on the throne of England? Interesting. I thought she is in Dallas. But is she on the throne in England? Yes. But is she in Dallas? But she is on the throne in England? Yes. Ah. So that's the spiritual truth. You are on earth. But you are on the throne with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Yes, he doesn't want you to know. Because if you don't know that authority that you have, the enemy can deceive you and make you suffer the things of this kingdom. You are not of this world. Jesus' own words, you are not of this world. Why? Obviously, that is why when Jesus told the Samaritan woman, he made a statement. He said, she was talking about which mountain? Mount Samaria. Mount Gerizim. She was talking about Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans used to have a temple. That's how it was. What happened was one of the kings in, in Israel. Remember Israel got divided between Israel and Judah, right? Judah was where Jerusalem was. One of the tribe uh, followed uh, David, uh, uh, David's son who was a king and the others all separated out and started their own kingdom called Israel, correct? So, but the temple is in Jerusalem. So the king of Israel is very envious that all the people during the feast would all go to Jerusalem. Because they have to go. Because it said three times every male of Israel should appear before me in the temple. So they all had to go. So guess what happened? Jerusalem is filled with people. All the power that Israel had would be lost. Because now they see all the glory of Jerusalem. And they are enticed towards Judah. So the king of Israel thought this evil plan. He said why don't I create our own temple in Samaria, in Mount Gerizim, right? And tell God, this is, and he made golden calves. And he said, this is your God. This is the mountain. This is the temple. Worship here. So, for the longest time, Israel would worship on Mount Gerizim in Samaria, and Israel, uh, Judah would worship in Jerusalem. Two mountains. See, every worship is, has to happen on a mountain. That's where you are accepted. So Jesus, so the Samaritan woman came and told Jesus, we worship here on this mountain, you worship in Jerusalem, what's going on? So now he's talking about mountains because it's worship happening. When worship happens, mountains come into play, right? Because only in an elevated place can you have fellowship with this God, right? So that's something. So they have this mountain. So the guys are not even... This this lady has how many husbands? Six husbands already. Six husbands. And she's talking law. She's talking religion. She's talking about mountains. Because it's there as part of her conscience. And she has to worship on a mountain. So Jesus makes a statement. He said, what? I tell you, a day is coming. Not on this mountain in Gerasim. Not on the mountain in Jerusalem. But true worshippers will worship the Father in truth and spirit. And the father seeks such worshippers. So obviously, there is a mountain that this father is going to worship. It's not in Jerusalem. So you thought Mount Zion is in Jerusalem, correct? You always think Mount Zion is in Jerusalem, but Mount Zion is not in Jerusalem. Whose words are these? Jesus' words. You're not going to worship in Jerusalem also. So obviously, this mountain is not in Jerusalem and it is not in Gerasim. So where is this Mount Zion? I thought it was in Jerusalem. It is not in Jerusalem. is in Mount Zion, which is where we call the paradise of God, where Jesus is at the right hand of God. And that, that mountain God established. Today I will show you a passage that will bless you so much. I'll tell you what exactly happened on the cross that you've never seen. I mean, I'm sure some of you have read it. What really happened on the cross? You know that the Mount Zion was established on the day of the crucifixion? Oh, it's, it's a secret that this, this conversation that happened and what happened and how God... You, when I read this passage, you're just like, man, I didn't know this passage existed. What happened? What happened? What happened to Satan? And Satan was planning the scheme and he thought now he's going to get the whole kingdom. Remember, he he took his, Jesus on a very high mountain. See? And he said, "All these kingdoms have been given to me, and worship me." So he thought that now, if he can get Jesus done, but now, oh, this is beautiful. So, so, but he says, "But you have already come to Mount Zion. Then what? To the city of the living God." So obviously, this city is also where God is, right? He's not on Mount Sinai. Next, to to heavenly Jerusalem. So it's also called heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, so have we come there? Or are we going to go there after we die? We have already come there. We are heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, next. To an innumerable company of angels. So you have the ministry of angels right now at access to you. That is why when Peter was in prison after the resurrection, where Paul was in shipwreck, angels would appear to him. Because now you have come to an innumerable company of angels that have been assigned to you. On Mount Sinai there is no angels right now. But on Mount Zion is multitude of angels. Okay, keep reading. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Who is the firstborn? Jesus. Jesus. So we have come to a general assembly. That is all the church is on Mount Zion. There you go. Okay, keep reading. Who was registered in heaven? Oh, our names are now registered in heaven right keep reading to God who is on this mountain God the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect say made perfect so on Mount Zion are you perfect or not perfect you're perfect you're just men made perfect are you going to be made perfect or are you already perfect you're already perfect. According to this verse, on Mount Zion, you have you are come to the spirits of just men, made perfect. Then he's come, who, where is Jesus by the way? Verse 24, you have come to Jesus. He's on Mount Zion. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So you have come to a new covenant. That means a new contract. It's not the old contract. It's a new contract. A new contract. Right? Say new covenant. So you have come to a new covenant. Okay, keep reading. To the blood of sprinkling that speaks... Be- to, to the blood of sprinkling. So here also there is a blood of sprinkling, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Then what? That speaks better things. Say better things. So in Mount Sinai there is no better things. There is only death, death, death. You miss up anything, you die. You miss up anything, you die. But on Mount Zion it speaks of better things, better things. That means you're constantly rewarded. You're constantly blessed. It's better things. And then it says better things. Than, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Then he says what? Verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, still talking about Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. So can Mount Zion be shaken? Mount Zion cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So he says, remember Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the father needs such people to worship him. Right? You cannot worship God on Mount Sinai. He says, let us have grace. That means, let us have unmerited favor from God in Christ Jesus by which we can serve God acceptably. That's the only place, brothers and sisters, that God receives your worship acceptably. All other worship, he thinks, is a robbery. If you try to go to God with your works and with your good deeds, he thinks it like a robbery. But if you go to God in Jesus, in Jesus' righteousness, he says, what? I accept you grace means favor of God righteousness of God in Christ Jesus your righteousness wrapped up in Jesus is called grace that means not your works but Jesus's works that's grace, so he says let us w- with grace serve God and how does he close for God is a consuming fire, see God has never changed his nature he is still a consuming fire he is still a consuming fire. He's still so. You say, no, Anil, are you trying to uh, uh, diminish how powerful and uh, vengeful God is against injustice? No, He is still a consuming fire. But in Christ Jesus, He accepts you. You see, so if you try to go to this consuming fire outside, if you go to 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 God in this consuming fire outside with your works, guess what? Important happens. You'll burn. You'll burn. So if you come to God outside Jesus, outside Jesus, you will burn. You will burn because God is a consuming fire. Okay, let's go to... So we we established the fact that we are in Mount Zion already. Okay, let's go to Micah chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 2. Do you have... Anybody needs Bibles, let me know. I can give you Bibles. So, uh, anybody needs Bibles? Okay. Needs Bibles. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah chapter 4. So, Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah chapter 4 are two parallel chap- Bibles. Parallel passages. It's very, very odd. I don't know. At least I have not read where two prophets say the exact same thing. And the word of God came to two prophets, said the exact same thing. Very, very, I mean, I'm have not, not seen that in the scripture. At least I have not seen. I have not studied it fully. But two passages. The word of God came verbatim. The same word to two prophets. As if God is confirming the word through through the mouth of through witnesses. Let's read this passage. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. Okay. Can we go to Micah chapter 4? Micah chapter four. Okay. So, but uh, uh, we'll read this chapter together, and if 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 I just pray that your eyes will open to what are the things, the benefits of being on Mount Zion, which is so different from the stuff that many of us suffer in the world because the enemy has hidden this from you right because he thinks that he tells you that this is something in the future but it is something right now so let's read through Micah chapter 4 Micah Micah chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 2 is the same chapter but I'll just go to Micah chapter 4 which is a little bit more comprehensive now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. See, he's talking about after Jesus rose again. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. No mountain in Jerusalem is over the top of other mountains on the earth. No. It's obviously not talking about Mount Zion in Jerusalem. So it's this mountain that is above all the mountains of the earth. So he's telling where this Zion is getting established. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. So this place where God is establishing is above all the hills. It's way above all the hills. Keep reading. And people or nations shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in its paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth. Did I I not say to you? Every law needs to have a mountain. So on this mountain also there is a law. What law is this? What law is this? It is the law of What is that system? It's correct. So what law is it that called? The law of fate. fate. So there's Out of Zion goes only one law. And that's called the law of faith. How do I know it? It is in Romans chapter 3. And we will not go back there. But you can go and read that. Romans chapter 3 is talking about the law of faith. We are not justified by the law. But now we are justified by faith. And therefore this law is called the law of faith. So out of Zion goes a law. Keep reading. For he will walk out of Zion. The law shall go forth. And the word of God. Lord from Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? Jerusalem. Which Jerusalem is he talking about? We just studied in Hebrews chapter 12. Heavenly Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem. So, you remember now now you're tracking with me. It's Zion called Heavenly Jerusalem. He shall judge. Let's talking about Jesus. Shall judge between many nations or peoples and rebuke strong nations far off. Now listen to this. Listen to this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. How many of you have read that verse before? You know where is it written this verse? Not, uh, not in Revelation. It's not in Revelation. It's actually written in Micah. My... <laughs> okay. It is written in Micah, but I'm telling you where else it is written. It is, it's, it's in a place in, in the United States, in New York City. It's in the front of a building, very famous building. Clue this is what it's written they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore hold it you just have to read this I mean I tell you as believers if you can get this you will it will bless you look at it what he said they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You know where is it written? United Nations, in front of a building. United Nations building. It's written in the front of the United Nations building. This is what they have written. This is their goal. Nations shall not learn war anymore. They shall beat their swords into... So you think... It is referring to that warfare, right? That's what the whole thing. That's how it is written. Go back and check and you, you, can, you can Google it and you'll see this verse written there, right? It's, it's in the front of the earth. There is a, a sculpture of a man beating a sword into a ploughshare. Beautiful sculpture. This is exactly what is written. Isaiah chapter, Micah chapter 4. Right? Right? But this is applicable for whom? This is applicable for believers on Mount Zion. Yes or no? So how are we... So what God is saying to us is, you're not going to use swords anymore. You're not going to learn war anymore. So hold it. How does that practically apply? I'll tell you how it practically applies. Right now when enemies come against you in your own personal life and you're tempted to use the sword in your life, you go back to this verse. Hey, but I'm on mom's line. I'm not going to learn war war anymore. So many times we have been taught, we should engage into spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, that warfare, this warfare, hit that, this, that. God says, you shall not learn war anymore. And let me give you some more powerful verses. I'll come to it. But just hold your horses. You say, but no, the Bible Bible never talks about spiritual warfare. It says, stand fast and stand. Which army ever wins by standing? No. He's talking about, you're on Mount Zion, don't get off of this mountain. Because on this mountain, you don't learn any war. You're going to beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. And don't use warfare. That is why Paul says, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means, they're, they're, it is not carnal. That means you don't use physical weapons now. You don't use physical manipulations in your workplace. You don't butter polish your boss. You don't do stuff like that now. Because you are no more in a war. Hold it. You are at peace. You are not learning war anymore. So now you are stopped. Now go back. Now since you are talking about warfare out here. right? Go and read Isaiah chapter 40. Can you read that? Let's go quickly. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And somebody can read that loud. First verse.
1: Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins.
0: Okay, whose words is this? This is the word of God. He's saying, Comfort! Say comfort, comfort, yes, comfort, my people. Says your God, speak comfort to Jerusalem, which Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, Zion. He says to them, comfort. Why? Speak to her that her warfare is ended. If somebody has, if the news has not yet reached you, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. Your warfare is ended. Why has your warfare ended? It, the Bible says here why. Her iniquity is pardoned. You see, enemy could fight against you as long as there was sin on you. As long as sin has been pardoned, he has no other weapons left against you. He cannot now no longer uh, prevent blessing in your lives. He cannot... Because your iniquity is pardoned, your warfare is ended. I mean, somebody has to tell a lot of believers in the land that their warfare is ended. They are fighting in a game that has already won. The score is 90-0 and you are still in the stadium fighting. Wake up! The only other audience in that stadium is Satan himself. Because the rest of the people have gone home. Just wake up and tell your enemy, and he comes. When he comes to you and tells you, No, no, you need to, sister, you need to fight against this. You need to fight against this. Brother, you need to fight this. You should say, Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort. Three times he says, Comfort, your warfare has ended. Means what? I have to beat my swords into plowshares and my spears into pruning hooks because I have no use for them. Hallelujah, because now I can sit. You can say, I will show you this beautiful application that Jesus happened. You know, Mount Zion actually happened after Jesus came to the earth. And Jesus came, I'll show it to you in John chapter 19. 18 and 19 and 20. 17, 18, 19 and 20. I'll show it to you. It's so powerful. Okay, I, I, I can't, can't wait. So let me go there. You know when uh, uh, G, when Okay, do we go there. Let's go to this warfare ascended Because this warfare has ended is very powerful. Warfare has ended means you have no more enemies on this mountain. Yes or no? Yes or no? You have no more enemies on this mountain because on this on this mountain enemies cannot come. Because you don't need any need for weapons, right? So obviously now you need to be protected without weapons. Yes or no? Yes, right? So now let's see a practical expli- ex- a- example of how the Zion manifested with the disciples. Right? Let's go quickly. Let's go quickly to John chapter. John chapter. uh, Do you know John chapter 17 where Jesus speaks to God in a prayer and says all all about this mountain? This is where we started. He says, Look at what he says. John chapter 17, verse 14, 15, 16. I want you to read this. Get this in your spirit. This is Jesus saying. says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Who is saying this? So Jesus is saying you are not of this world. That means you are not from this world. For the first time he says they are not of this world. That means where are they now? They are in heavenly places. They are in Mount Zion right now. Hey, you have to be somewhere. (laughs) This this could be funny. You are not here, but you are not there. But where are you? You have to be somewhere. So when Jesus says, Rajesh, you are not here. So Rajesh's first question is, okay, so where am I? You know, I am somewhere. Where are you? Not on this mountain, not on that mountain, but I'm somewhere. I'm on some mountain, brothers. (laughs) Welcome to your mountain. (laughs) We should write that wherever we go out and in a car and all. Welcome to your mountain. You know, this is your mountain. This is your mountain. You are not of this world. So where I am? Who hold it? Do I have a ticket or not? I, I belong somewhere. You know, it'd be like the guy who was not selected. When you, when, you, when you take teams and you're to be selected, many times I would be the last guy. Nobody wants me. You know? <laughs> not on A team, not on B team. Nobody <laughs> wants you, you know? Hey, Jesus wants you on your mountain. So he says, I'm not of the, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Hold it. Even Jesus is not of this world. So you are not of this world but where is Jesus? We just know from Hebrews chapter 12. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? He's in Mount Zion. Because we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So he's in uh, Mount Zion. Okay? Keep reading. Verse 15. I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world. Hold it. You are in the world. You are not of the world. But Jesus doesn't want to take you out from this world. Oh, now he has a responsibility. Hold it. Now, he's keeping us in the world, but our warfare has ended. We cannot use weapons against our enemy, but we are not of this world. So whose responsibility that you are protected? His responsibility or your responsibility? Correct. Because you cannot fight. Because Isaiah 40 says comfort my people Jerusalem. Your warfare has ended. Right? You shall beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. Correct? So now I cannot fight, right? Yes or no? Can I fight? No. But I'm in the world. Correct? So whose responsibility that I'm, I should be kept safe here? Jesus. Jesus! It's his responsibility! Right? Now listen to this. Look at this truth. Because in this time, in perilous times when we are living right now, this truth, this truth, what I'm just speaking right now, will save you. Will save you and your children. You're going gonna, you're gonna to you're gonna shout for joy because this is a real promise. Jesus didn't just leave you hanging out here without weapons right now, though you're not of this world, right? This proves that we're already in Mount Zion, right? Because he says that we're already come to Mount Zion. Keep reading. They are not of this world. But he says, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but, but, you shall, you should keep them from the evil one. See? So, whose responsibility to keep you from the evil one? The father's responsibility. The father will not allow you to be touched by the evil one because you are an assignment out here, but your citizenship is not from here. So, the father will keep you from the evil one. But you'll say, Anil, but, but hold it. This is too good to be true, but I'm always attacked by Satan. I'm always afflicted by him because he's deceiving you. He's telling you a lie that you are in this world. You are not in this world. So he's pretending as if the game is still on. But the game is not on. The game is over. Warfare has ended. Because iniquity has been pardoned. Can you imagine if you are perfect without sin? How can Satan come against you? Because Satan needs something to hold on to bring judgment against you. Correct? Satan only brings judgment. He doesn't create judgment. He only brings judgment that is ordained by the law. So when you're not lawless, how can you be condemned? And if you cannot be condemned, how can judgment come? So obviously all your judgments have been taken away. Therefore sin, iniquity has no power over you. Because judgments don't have any power over you. If judgments don't have any power over you, the enemy come, cannot come against you. If enemy cannot come against you, you don't need to fight. Amen? And therefore, his father keep them from the evil one. Right? Keep reading. They are not. Again, he repeats verse sixteen. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Means what? Same word. Holy. Kodesh means separate them. Separate them by your truth. Your word is true. How are therefore? This is the clue. How are we going to be separated from all the afflictions that the world has for others? By By knowledge or by Separate them by what? Sanctify them That means separate them from the evil one Separate them from the evil one By your truth So now we say but what is truth? What is truth? Jesus defines truth Truth is righteousness in Christ Jesus And you hidden in Christ Jesus Is the truth Why? Because Jesus says I am the way The truth and the life No one comes to the father except Through me that's why it says, if you, if, you are, if, you, if, you, if you keep my word, you will be in me, right? So when you are in Jesus, you are on Mount Zion, correct? You have a choice. You are always in Mount Jesus, but you, you, can dis- you can think that you are not in Christ Jesus, and you can try to do stuff on your own and suffer the afflictions of the world because you are not separated by what? By truth. The truth is that you are in Christ Jesus. So anytime you sin, You will still say, no, I am not outside of Jesus, I am still in Jesus. So the enemy cannot attack you. You see the thing? So, when you sin, you feel condemned. When you feel condemned, you have an expectation of judgment. When you have an expectation of judgment, you have fear. When you have fear, there is torment. And when there is torment, you get afflicted by the enemy. That's how the process is very clear. It starts like this. But, when you sin... And you don't feel condemned because you are in now Christ Jesus. You know that Jesus has forgiven you and has kept you. You are now kept from the enemy. Does it want to make you sin more? No. Because now you are in Christ Jesus. You don't want to do because he lives in you. There you go. And he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent them into the world, I have sent them into the world. For their sake I separate myself. I sanctify myself. How did Jesus separate himself? How did Jesus separate himself? For their sake I separate myself that they also may be separated or sanctified by the truth. How did Jesus separate himself? He actually separated himself by going and ascending to Mount Sinai. It's a physical separation. He says because I have separated myself from the evil one, from the earth guess what's happening? They are going to be separated. So what is the truth? The truth is, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, far above every principality, power, and kingdom and darkness. Is that the truth? Correct. Are you in Christ Jesus or are you outside? So if I am in Christ Jesus, where am I right now? I am exalted far above every principality, power, and darkness. You may see the thing? See how? Because he has separated himself, you are separated. You see the thing? That is why Jesus says to the disciples, it is for your benefit that I am going. Why? Because if I go, you go. I am separated, you are separated. Therefore, you have power. If I live, you live. Make sense? You see the difference? Okay, keep reading. So, uh, let's go jump now straight away. After he had said this verse, uh, chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went over with his disciples over the brook Kidron, And there was a garden in which he and his disciples entered. This is almost like a picture of Zion. So he enters a a garden again, a, a place of rest. Correct? And Judas, who had betrayed him, also knew the place. So it's a place. Say a place. So where who is in this place? Jesus is in the place. Who is on Mount Zion? Jesus is on Mount Zion. Keep reading. For, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So where is the church? In Mount Zion. So where is Jesus? Jesus is with his disciples. So Jesus is in the midst of the church, say midst of the church. Always! Mount Zion you are in the midst. Jesus is in the midst. Jesus is in the midst. Whenever God showed up to Israel, He always appeared in the condition that they were. In his, in, when they were uh, being afflicted in a furnace in Egypt, he appeared in a burning bush. When, he, when they were in the wilderness, he appeared in a tent. When, he, when they were near a conqueror of uh, Jericho as a warrior, he appeared as a warrior. When, when, when Jesus rose again, Mary was in a garden, he appeared as a gardener. When Jesus rose again and two disciples walked to Emmaus Road as walking companions, Jesus appeared as a companion who was walking. See, Jesus was always appear where you are. He is, he is always in the midst. So he's always in the midst. He's always in the midst. So they said, Jesus often met there with the disciples. Now Judas, is Judas is part of this church? He's not. Right? He's not born again. Judas having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and uh, Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and hold it. So is the Satan coming against you? Satan is coming against you. These... See, look, this is prophetic. This is prophetic. Every scripture is prophetic. You know what it says? When Je- Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook quidron. You know what Kidron means? Kidron was like the the lowest place in Jerusalem, where all the Afflictions and the punishments used to happen, all the dead bodies would burn. When Jesus went over Kidron, means what? He went through death and punishment and went on the other side. But did the disciples suffer death? No. But are they with him in the garden? So is the garden restored because of the punishment? Somebody had to pay the price. That Kidron is a picture of punishment. That Jesus went through Kidron for you. Came on to the other side. Now Jesus is there. But guess what? We are there too. But now Satan is coming against this garden. With lanterns, torches and weapons. They are are in the world but they are not of the world, so who has to protect them? The father, right? Look at this. Then Jesus knowing that all things that would come upon him went forward, said Jesus knowing all things that will come upon him, that means Jesus knowing that Zion has already been paid for, for these disciples, now he has a right to do what Zion benefits any believer, not just, he's not yet died, remember? Hold it, do you see this? Jesus has not died. He's not rose again. So Zion has physically not come. But Jesus knowing the things that is going to happen. He's going to benefit. Give them the benefits of Zion on credit. Hallelujah. Because he's going to give them the benefit of you having received the full portion. So he says knowing all these, Because he knows I'm going to die anyway for it. So he's saying, Do you know what? I'm going to advance you the benefits of being in Zion. What is the benefit? Let's read it. Knowing all these things, he said to them, he went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. And Judas who betrayed him also stood with them. So Judas standing with his accusers. And when he had said this, he said, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Could they touch him? So can they touch the disciples? So are they kept from the evil one? You see the picture? Okay, keep reading. And he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Because he cannot get to them without going through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is in the middle. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. Therefore, look at his response. He says, you cannot get me. You, I'll, give, I'll give myself up to you, but there's a condition. What is the condition? Therefore, if you seek me, let them go their way. That is cruel. That means, I will not give myself up to you because I have authority, right? You cannot touch me. But I will not allow you to go, but you cannot touch them. Because if I go, you will. See, are they kept from the evil one? Are they kept? This is Zion in action. This is Zion in action. Jesus says, you cannot touch them. That's the deal. I will give it. See, now he doesn't have to give up because he's already won the battle. Warfare is over. This is before the warfare. And they get the benefits of Zion. Cannot touch. Who has the weapons? Now let me ask you a very simple, practical question. Who has the weapons? The enemy enemy has weapons. Who else has weapons? Somebody in the gang also has weapons. (laughs) So Peter has weapons, right? Now listen to this. This is so cool. This will bless you. This will tell you why, as believers, we get afflicted even though you are on Mount Zion. Do you want to see this? Practical example. So, so he says, A verse 9, There, if you seek me, let these go their way, that this might be fulfilled which he spoke of. Those whom you have given me, I have lost none. It doesn't matter whether they sinned, whether they denied, whether they grumbled, whether they did not believe. It doesn't matter. Do you see this brothers and sisters do you see this it doesn't matter what your spiritual status is God has made a promise to father God on Mount Zion he's registered cannot lose that Thomas doubted disciples didn't believe that he would wake up, uh, raise up from the dead Mary Magdalene thought that he's dead Peter getting ready to deny him but doesn't matter you would lose none. Why did they not lose none? Because they are in Mount Sinai, right? Then see, it be fulfilled, and that's it. Then now, now this is the interesting part. This is the interesting verse ten. Then Simon Peter, oh, I want you to read this. I get so excited. There's so many passages under it. It's like we should have like twenty-four hour Bibleathon, you know? <laughs> just go through it and just go through all these gems and take it. man. How many years do we have on earth, right? Before we see Jesus, right? I will just go through this whole thing. But I'm saying, okay, let's read. Then, Pete, Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Interesting, not Peter. Simon Peter. His unregenerated name has come into the picture. Simon. Peter is a Zion name. See, when we are on Mount Zion in Revelation, God, Jesus says, on every one of you, Jesus writes a new name. It's written in Revelation. So in Mount Zion, you are no longer George. You know what? You are no longer Annie. You are written by a new name. So Jesus gave names, right? He wrote, so Peter is the name on Mount Zion because it's a a rock of the temple in heaven. He says, you are Petros, but I will make you Petra. So I'm going to make you a rock. That means you are now part of the Mount Zion temple, correct? Mount Zion is also a temple. It's a city which is built out of all individual people like you and me. But with a new name. But now he says Simon Peter. Because now Peter is coming with his old nature of Simon, which is unregenerated, unborn again. Correct? But he still he's not, cannot be touched by the enemy. because Just because he is foolish, he cannot be touched. See, that's a good part. It doesn't matter whether you are evil, whether matter, matter you are sinful, whether matter, matter you fail. Because you are part of mom's sign, you cannot be touched. You have to believe this truth because this truth will keep you from the enemy. Do you see this truth? This truth will keep you. Now here there is a classic example where Peter is not going to live by this truth. He wants to suffer. Guess what? Now Simon Peter having a sword, having a sword. So let me ask you a question. From so what we understood, What are people on Mount Zion supposed to do with swords? You got it. You got it. See, swords have no purpose on Mount Zion. Swords have to be beaten into plowsheds on Mount Zion. You get this picture? Man, I'll tell you how practical it is. So, in my office, sometimes I have a challenge with some of my business guys and business development guys and some people. You know, sometimes they become very angry with you because you don't meet their needs and you don't have... I'm on the delivery side and they are on the business side so sometimes I don't miss so sometimes they send poison emails (laughs) to their boss and CC everybody and do stuff so the other day something like that happened and so I was like so ready because having a sword (laughs) (laughs) because I have a legitimate reason my case is very strong and I'm totally not at fault and I have a beautiful case I can use this to crush the adversary. Having a sword. I'm telling you, having a sword. So, but what are you supposed to do with a sword on Mount Zion? That means you are supposed to cultivate. Hmm. So, you are supposed to use emails to encourage people. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. So, you have a sword. Now, the swords are modern-day swords are emails or blogs or postings or wrath or something. You're having a sword. God, I was doing this meditation on this warfare has ended during that week and God was telling me, hold it Anna, your warfare has ended so I said, okay, my warfare has ended, I'm not going to do anything about it guess what happened, normally this thing escalates, you know it's like CC to the boss, boss is boss, and everybody and everybody's angry at me and then I have to, I said, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to leave it to you nothing happened, just went off smoothly, in fact it worked out even better Guess what? Because the enemy cannot touch you, because now you're not operating by carnal weapon, you're you're operating by the truth and the truth is your warfare has ended. Right? So Peter is out here having a sword. Big problem. Sword is not a problem. Sword has a place for it. He says, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest serpent and cut off his right ear. So he's not going up for his ear, right? You know this. He's not going, oh, he's not accurately, I need to cut his ear. No, no, he's he's not going for the ear. He's going for his, he's going for his throat. He's going to kill him, you know. So, God protects him, protects him. The servant's name was Malchus. I think the servant became a believer. Because the name is written. See, the Bible does not mention names of disciples most of the time in the Testament. Malchus became a believer. You know he became a believer could be because... Hey, he got a supernatural miracle of his years, year being restored. Then, so Peter, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup for which my father has given me? Isn't that beautiful? He says, put your sword back into the sheath. That means put it back in. You don't need it on Mount Zion because who is doing the protecting for you? I am doing it. I will not allow you to be touched. I will not allow you to be touched. So, is Zion uh, the benefits of Zion applied to uh, Peter? Yes. And guess what Peter did. After this, he went further. He started denying Jesus. See how he starts to live by the not by the truth. And then he went into the uh, temple courtyard. Uh, Not in the temple courtyard. In the high priest courtyard, and he denied Jesus. But why did he deny Jesus there? Because he was afraid. Fear came in, right? On Mount Zion, there is no fear, correct? And because he was fear, he was warmed by the fire of his own fire, right? Now it is not the fire of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus made him his own fire after he rose again on the shores of Galilee, right? Now he's burning, now he's warming himself by whose fire? His own fire. And he's highly afflicted and he starts crying. Because so, he's being a citizen of Zion, he's he's getting affected by all the things that's happening in Jerusalem and getting afraid. Why? Because he's now operating by lack of truth. Though he is, but tell me after this, despite all this, was Peter lost? Look at the proof. No, he didn't lose. But was he afflicted? Did he suffer? Was he tormented? Did he cry? And Jesus, when he looked at him, was telling him what? Was telling him, don't worry. You are still on Mount Zion. I still love you. Don't worry. Don't let the enemy afflict you. Because How can the enemy afflict you? Because he feels condemned. You see that thing? Because he doesn't believe that his sin has been paid for. That's why Jesus is, don't you want me to pay for this sin? Why should I not pay? Voice, why is your warfare ended? Your warfare is ended because your iniquity has been pardoned. Okay, go back to Ma, 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 Micah chapter 4. Quickly and we will close because this this doesn't seem to end. I think we'll have to write a book on outside because there's so much stuff. Okay, let's go to Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. So, I'll just read this whole chapter, then you get, get the thing. Come, let us... Okay. The, so, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Okay? Now, everyone shall sit under their wine and their fig tree. No one shall make them afraid. No one shall make them afraid. No one. Nobody can make you afraid in this world right now. Nobody. Okay. There's so much stuff here. So Jesus, after he rose again, he appears to the disciples. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene. Correct? He he asked Mary Magdalene the first question. What did he say? Why are you? Why are you crying? That means, on Mount Zion, there is no sorrow. Right? You are not supposed to cry. There is no sorrow. He says, why are you crying? Okay, keep reading further. Okay, keep reading. Not now, but everyone shall sit under their wine and under their fig tree, no one shall make them afraid say no one shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken, all people shall walk each in the name of his God but we will walk in the name of our Lord our God forever and ever, how long will you walk with God, forever and ever okay, keep reading, in that day says the Lord, I will assemble the lame you are not even perfect, he says I will assemble all the lame, that means people are not perfect I'll assemble the lame, I'll gather the outcasts and those whom I have afflicted. Those whom I have afflicted. When did God afflict people? When they had their sins on. Remember? They were afflicted because of their sins. Because their punishment was not paid up by Jesus Christ. So he said, those same people that I had afflicted because of their sins, I'm going to gather them. Correct. Keep reading. I'll gather outcasts and those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant. And the outcast of strong nation so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion now and forever how long forever and you O tower of flock or stronghold of the daughter of Zion to you it shall come even the former dominion shall come the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem he says the former dominion will come to you what is the former dominion remember the dominion was first given to Adam that dominion was first given to Adam and he lost that dominion. He says, That dominion, you're going to come back to Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That Zion, you are now, you have the same dominion that Adam had before he fell. Okay, this is too good. This is like too good, right? But okay, that's because we are still starting in this whole journey to understand Mount Zion. Okay, keep reading. Verse 9. Why do you cry? Why do you cry? He's asking the people who are on Mount Zion. Is there no king in your midst? Has your counselor perished? For pans have seized you like a woman in labor. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. From now on you shall go forth from the city. So he says, why do you cry? Is there no king in your midst? Let me ask you a question. So when uh, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and asked, why are you crying? Why? Why? Is there no king in your midst? Is there no king in your midst? Is there no king in the midst? So was there not a king in the midst of Mary Magdalene? Was there not a king? Yes or no? Who was the king? Jesus himself! He says, I'm in your midst! Is there no king? So, if you are not in Mount Zion, there is no king in your midst. On Mount Sinai, there is no king! In your midst, there is no king in your midst on Mount Sinai, But if you are on Mount Zion, Mount Zion, there is king in your midst. So you don't need to cry. You don't need to cry. That's why Jesus always shows up in the midst. That's why when the disciples, when they shut the door. So after he meets Mary Magdalene, Jesus goes and appears in the midst of the disciples because the disciples have their door shut for the fear of the Jews. Okay. So what are you getting? Fear of the Jews. Because they are not supposed to be afraid. Right? Disciples are not supposed to be afraid because they are on Mount Zion. So what Jesus shows up in the midst of them and tells them peace. Why? Because now there is peace. Because warfare has ended. You don't have to be afraid. So, so the doors are still shut. You should see this chapter. Go back to John chapter this. You you to see it to believe it. John chapter uh, 20. In the same, uh, John 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 chapter 20, verse 19. In the same day at evening, with with the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace with you. See, when they are afraid, Jesus shows up in the midst and says, Peace, correct? Okay. Then when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the, the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord because the king is in their midst. Then Jesus said, them again peace to you as the father has sent me i send you there you go and he breathed on them the holy spirit keep reading and the thomas one of the disciples was not with them and then after verse 26 after eight days when his disciples were again inside thomas with them jesus came and the doors being doors being shut why are the doors shut Because they have still not received the peace. So what does Jesus do? The doors being shut, Jesus stood in the midst and said, (laughs) Look look, look at this. So every time you are afraid, Jesus does not condemn you. Jesus just stands in the midst and says peace to you. Because you are on Mount Zion. Because the king is in your midst. See every time you're afraid, Jesus shows up in the midst and says peace to you. Because you don't need to be afraid, because the King is in their midst. See, Micah says, "Why are you afraid? Why are you crying? Is there not King in your midst?" Jesus is in the midst, so He shows up and says peace to you. That means you don't have to be afraid. Like you're like you're afraid of this, you're afraid of enemies, you're afraid of terrorists, you're afraid of your children going doing stupid things, you're afraid of this. And the Bible says. No, you are on Mount Zion. You are not like, like the world. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove this to you. That this promise that you, sh- you shall, uh, you shall uh, beat your swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks, is not for the whole world. It is uniquely for believers, all believers, who, who are located right now on Mount Zion. Do you want to see that? This promise is not for everybody. It's for specifically for believers. You want to see that? This is so cool. This is so cool. Because the same verse is talked about in Read this. Jo, Joel, chapter 3. Can you go to Joel's chapter 3? Joel, you, today you'll have to go to a lot of these minor prophets. Don't call it minor prophets, but these smaller. Prophets. Pages which are stuck together, you know?
1: <laughs> Maybe should say minor
0: books. Minor books, yeah, minor books. You can't say minor prophets. None of them are minor prophets. Okay, Joel chapter 3. When I saw this, I was so excited. Joel chapter 3. Okay. Now He's talking about when Jesus comes to judge the world. This is, this is great. See, this promise. world can use this and print this out on the front of United Nations, but it means nothing. They cannot receive this promise except in Christ Jesus. Because this is what God says to the nations. Do you, want to hear? you heard what God said to the believers, right? On Mount Zion? Yes or no? You heard it, right? Do you want to hear what God is telling to the nations? Just to prove it to you that this promise is not for the nation because you are not of this world therefore your swords are into plowshares and your pruning hooks but to the world god says this do you want to hear this okay and just say it man say it okay <laughs> okay read this verse 9 proclaim this among the nations prepare for war wake up the mighty men and let all the men of war draw near let them come up beat your ploughshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears let the weak say i am strong hold it i use the verse for believers let the weak say i am that's not for you that's not for you he's telling he's, he's deceiving the nation he's saying let all the nations who think that they are weak Say they are strong because I want them to fight me. Because when they fight me, I'm going to destroy them. Wow, what a plan. Have you ever that? let that? So he's telling the nations, beat. You'll do something different. You'll beat your plowshares into swords and your spears into, sorry, your pruning hooks into spears. And come, fight me. Because I'm going to judge y'all guys completely. So, what he's telling the nations is what? What is he telling the nations? What is he telling the nations? Come on, man. Come on. Give me a, give me a dialogue. What give me a nations? What is he telling the nations? The fight is on! The war is on! He's telling the believers you're what? I'm listening. just don't shout so much, <laughs> <laughs> And how can he not shout? When you see this? this truth is so powerful, he says. He's telling the world, go fight, man, fight, fight and die. But he's telling the believers, don't fight. Your warfare has ended. And guess what's happening? Believers are speaking the things. Oh, so we are like with guns in the house and guns inside and fighting for this and fighting for that. And because we are because we having a sword. We have none of this world, brothers and sisters. We don't have to partake of the afflictions of this world. That's the world. They're going to suffer. They're going to go through terrorism. They're going through major mass killings. But it's not, not going to touch you. Amen? It's not going to touch you because your warfare has ended because your iniquity has been pardoned. So don't start having a mindset, oh, what's happening to my children? What's happening to my wife? Oh, I hope she's safe in the car. Oh, I'm... Stop thinking that. You see, you have a mindset of the of a unredeemed nation. But you are on Mount Zion where God says, It doesn't matter what you do, but you will be protected because you are in the the king is in your midst. Why do you cry? Hallelujah. This is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So he's talking about warfare essential. Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? We yeah. just told about shaking, right? Joel chapter three verse sixteen. Remember in Hebrews chapter twelve, what did we say? Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be, shaken. Shaken. say cannot be, shaken. cannot be. Say cannot be, cannot, cannot be. Say, cannot be. Cannot. Cannot be. Say, you cannot. Cannot is different from may be shaken. No, 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 no. You have received a kingdom that Can. cannot be shaken. You cannot be shaken. Your finances, your health. Your prosperity, the peace of your children, the peace of your family cannot be shaken. Cannot be shaken. You have received the kingdom that cannot be shaken. You either believe it or you can receive the afflictions by believing otherwise. You can receive. But see, it's like it's like a joke. You know, like you are you are you are fighting in a war that is not even your team. You are wearing the dress of the team and fighting. You know, you heard of self goals in football. That's what, that's what you. Like, and you, you have you seen the face of the guy who does a self goal? He's like disgusted, right? That's how it is. Don't, don't, don't score goals for the other team. Why are you wasting time? You're not even in that team. Change your uniform, you know. I mean, come on to the other side. This is where the winning team is. The winning team has already won. Why are you winning? So there you go. Read uh, Joel chapter 3, verse 16. Then the, ro- the Lord will roar from Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. So the Lord will roar from where? From Zion. He is in Zion, right? We are with Him. So He's going to roar from Zion. The heavens and the earth will shake. But the but how many of you like that? But but the Lord will be a shelter for His people. See, that means where are we? In Mount Zion. The earth and the heavens will shake. So what does that mean? What does that mean? When God is going to shake heavens and the earth and we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, where are we? We are in Zion. We are right now spiritually in Zion but before that last day when God judges the whole world and shakes the whole world, God is raptured us and we are on Mount Zion with him. Because when he shakes heaven and earth, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people, the strength of the children of Israel. When the, when the nation said, let the weak say I am strong, they said they are strong on their own. But our strength is who? Do you you want a picture of how the rapture positions you in Mount Zion before the shaking happens? Do you want to see that? It's in Luke chapter. You want to see that? Go back to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21? I think it's Luke chapter 21. 21. Okay. So he's talking about shaking here in this chapter. If you are very careful, now see, look at this. Look at this. That's why there's a lot of wrong understanding of rapture and all that because they don't understand your citizenship see your citizenship is not the citizenship in the world you are not in the world so when the heavens and the earth will be shaken you cannot be shaken okay okay read this Luke chapter 21 verse 25 and there will be signs in the Sun and in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from the, from the fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, right? So look at all the things, fear, expectation of evil things coming on the earth, and shaking happening. Everything matches up to all the prophecies, right? Okay, keep reading. For the powers of heavens will be shaken. Same verse, same prophecy, right? And they will see. Who will see? Nations Nations will see, not you. Look at the word they. So where is the church? Where is the church? They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. So obviously... The church is not here on the earth. Because we know the church is not on the earth. Because the Bible says in Micah, Joel right now, that when he shakes the earth, the Lord will be a shelter. Because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we cannot be on the earth, we have to be all there. Where are we? We are on Mount Zion. Okay, I, mean, I agree that's an inference. Can you tell me clearly that we are on Mount Zion and we are not here when the earth is going to be shaken? Yeah, I can prove it to you. Keep reading. Did you see the word, they shall see the Son of Man come? Why is he not saying, you shall see me come in the clouds of glory? No, you're going to see no Jesus coming on the clouds of glory because you will be raptured in the twinkling of the eye. You don't even have time to see him come. You will be translated into Zion like this because you're already there. Only the nations will see him come because who is coming with him? We are coming with him. How do we know that? Zephaniah says that. that the deliverers will come from Mount Zion. Did you know that this was like that? Deliverers will come from Mount Zion. I thought there's only one deliverer. Jesus Christ. No. We with him, deliverers, will come from Mount Zion. Okay, keep reading. Okay. And then these things begin to happen, that is way before these things begin to happen, before the shaking even starts, lift up your heads before, because your redemption grows now. Right. Redemption means your redemption of your bodies. Because you are already redeemed, isn't it? Because the spirit is already redeemed. So what part of our body is uh, what is left unredeemed? Your physical body. Your spirit is already redeemed. Why? If your spirit is not redeemed, how can you be in Mount Zion? You're already there. You're born again. You're the church of the firstborn. Because who was firstborn? Jesus. And everybody else was also born. That means our spirits were already born. And now we are in heaven, registered in heaven. Correct? But our bodies are not redeemed. So he says, lift up your hands because your redemption are redemption of your bodies. Keep reading. And then verse verse 32. Uh, look at verse 34. But take heed to yourself lest you are, he's writing to the Jews right now. take take heed to yourself lest your hearts be weighed down by carousing, drunkenness and cares of this world and that day come upon you unexpectedly. See he's not writing to the believers because we are not weighed down by drunkenness carousing and the cares of this world. We are not. We are in Christ Jesus. The day does not come upon unexpectedly for it shall come as a snare on, on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. It will come as a snare on how many people? Only the believers or the non-believers? Isn't that cool? What does it say? It will come as a snare on whom? All. All who dwell. So obviously the believers are not among the all. Because it doesn't come as a snare to the believers. So obviously the believers are not on the earth. Because it will come on all the people on the earth. So if we are on the earth, God should have clarified saying that it shall come out to a snare to the ones who are unbelievers but to the believers it shall not come as a snare. No, because we are not even on the earth. The day will come as a snare to all. Say all. Okay, then look at where Zion is. Heaven, okay. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. Isn't that escape? So, Mount Zion, people don't go through the shaking. We escape the shaking because when these things come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Where are we right now? On Mount Zion. What are we doing on Mount Zion? We are standing. That's why Paul says, stand therefore. Stand therefore. Because we are... In Revelation, if you go back and see, it says, he see When all the shaking happens... All of these people on the earth. This is so beautiful. You want to see Mount Zion? It is in Revelation. Uh, so all of this, all the shaking is going on in Revelation, right? Yeah. You want to see the standing stuff? Do you want to see the standing stuff? You want to see the standing, right? Right? Jesus said, "Pray and watch that you will escape the shaking and you stand before me." How many of you want to see the standing stuff? This will prove to be beyond doubt that I am not part of the shaking. Correct? Okay, let's go to Revelation. I like this. I like it. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to confirm you. Get rid of this fear of out of your spirit. Revelation chapter Okay. Okay, okay. Are you all excited? I'll show you something so powerful. You'll love it. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 6, when the shaking starts, right? Uh, Okay, uh, let's go to the shaking. Let's do the sequence right. So you want to see the shaking first. Let's go to Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, 13, 14. Let's read that very carefully. Get you established on this picture of Zion very clearly. Because if you don't understand Zion, you're going to suffer the same things. Not, you will not suffer because you become liable to suffer. Revelation chapter 6 verse 12. And I looked and behold a, a sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake. Ah, get ready for shaking. And, and the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became blood. Classic. Jewel picture of shaking. Starting. The shaking is starting. The sixth seal is opened up. And the stars of the heaven fell to the earth. As a fig tree drops it late fig. When it is... Same word? Same word? When it is shaken, right? So shaking is happening by a mighty wind. So God is not shaking heaven and earth. Then the sky rolled up as a scroll when it was rolled up so the heaven shook first, correct? And every mountain and island rolled out of his place. So the earth is shaking now. Every mountain and every island shakes, man. Can you believe? And you're like, okay, I'm going to be here and I'm going to suffer. No, you're not going to suffer the shaking. This shaking is not yours. This is God saying, go ahead, prepare for war. I'm going to shake you all guys up. And he shakes and he judges, right? Okay, then the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, every Every. Is there anybody left? Why doesn't it say believers? Where are the believers? Everybody. The small, the great, every slave, every free man. Every free man. I thought believers are free. But because the believers are not on the earth. Do you see this? Yes. Correct. We will be raptured because we are because when, when these things begin say begin. Begin to happen, lift up your heads, your redemption happens, right? And you are in Mount Zion, because you are always there. That's why we are translated and we are suddenly in the presence of Jesus Christ. We don't need any further process, because we are already there. All we need was a minor technicality, to be joined to a new body. That's all. (laughs) We are already there. It's like, Alkesh is in, in my house. Wrong dress, unfortunately. So I give him a coat. That's all he does. So how much time does it take for him to put on a coat? Chuck. He's there. He, ne- he was never not on Mount Zion. But the moment he got the coat on, he can see that he's on Mount Zion with his physical eyes. See, God already can see that you're on Mount Zion. Because the angels won't come to you. Because you're already there. Jesus is in the midst. He sees you. We are surrounded by... Inc- remember Elijah the prophet said open your eyes and see the angels because they are on Mount Zion they cannot see but they are here but the moment you get that body you can see that you are on Mount Zion that is why Jesus told Thomas blessed are those who do not see but yet believe blessed are those who do not see but yet believe do not see what do not see what you do not See that you are on Mount Zion physically, but do you believe that you are on Mount Zion? God says, if Jesus says you are blessed, how blessed is that? How blessed is that? It's so blessed, right? When Jesus says you are blessed, when you can believe this truth, how blessed is that? How blessed is that? Because now you can access the, the, you can receive the things of the kingdom because you see it." Because you see with your spiritual eyes. When are you you all guys are going to get ready to be blessed in this world? You're going to be kept from all evil and getting ready to be blessed because the truth of Zion is when to start saying, I have not even touched the top, but I've not even come to the best part, right? So all free men, I thought believers are free. But there's no, because the believers are not here. And they, and they say to the mountains and the rock, what are they saying to the mountains? Listen to their dialogue. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now the wrath of the Lamb. We are not. We don't have the wrath of the Lamb, Right? For the great day of his wrath has come and what is the next verse? Say, say that again. Who is able to stand? Say who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? So nobody can stand. Why? Why can't nobody stand? Nobody can stand before this God, both in His judgment and in His justice. He cannot, nobody can stand. So, everyone says, so the whole world admits who can stand. So, I'm telling you, don't you think believers can stand? Yes. So, how is the people saying who can stand? Can't they see believers standing? No, because the believers are not there. So, do you want to see believers standing? Yes? So suddenly the picture turns to heaven. Look at this. After these things. After these things I saw the angel standing at the four corners holding the four winds and I saw an angel ascending from the heaven having the seal of the living God. Remember the city of the living God? And he seals Israel. And then Mount Zion. Read verse uh, 9. After these things I looked and behold, say, a great multitude. Which no one could number. No one could number. That means, oh, this is so powerful. One day we're going to take the study of numbering. You never number. I cannot go into George's house and number his clothes. Can I? Can I go into his house and check in his bank account how much money he has? I'm not taking it. Can I number it? Can I? Can I? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, hold it. I mean, she needs counseling. <laughs> I can't. Nobody can. Can I, can, I, can I just walk into your house without your permission, right? Can I number anything? Can I number? Hold it all it. Uh you, How many clothes do you have, sister? Hold it. It's none of your business. That's, that's exactly what you'll tell me, right? You will not tell me, but you'll be 85 days brother, is there a particular reason that is forcing you to talk <laughs> All yes he have to say is none of your business. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You only number your flock. Proverbs says that. You only number your flock. So you know, if there is a multitude that no one can number means what? Those multitudes don't belong to anybody except the one who can number, Jesus, the Father. So this multitude is a church that only no man can number says. what does it say no one can number for all nations tribes, people and tongues hold it what are they doing? I thought they just said who can stand when the shaking happens? how are they standing? do you see the rapture there? do you see the standing there? they are standing before God's throne. How are they standing? Before the lamb clothed with white robes and palm branches in the hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Salvation means we have God has saved us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why did you even go to standing thing? I don't know where we went to standing but in Zion you don't, yeah, you're not shaken. You are not shaken brothers and sisters. When the shaking happening happens, you are not part of the shaking. But when the shaking happens, the Bible says the silver and gold will come to him. And it will the house of the, uh, the silver and gold will come into the house of God. The silver and gold is getting ready to come into your house. Because the house of God is the house that you are part of. Amen? Amen? And let's just close with this. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff. I will continue that in the next session. But let's go to... Uh, Micah... Uh, Did we finish Micah? Shaking. Micah chapter 4. time we will talk about uh, a lot of stuff. but We'll talk about this aspect of I know I I didn't share with you this whole aspect of what happened on the cross. It was very powerful. You know Mount Zion actually happened in one day. The city was created in one day. Did you know that? Do you know this whole story of Mount Zion I don't know whether you all have the time. It'll take a little time. It'll take at least 15, 20 minutes. Are you all okay? Are you all okay with 15, 20 minutes? I'll break down this whole business of how this mountain happened. It happened on one day. It happened, it confused. It is so powerful. You want to see what happened behind the scenes, right? You want to see what happened behind the scenes. So. Uh, go to uh, go to uh, Isaiah chapter ten. I'll just quickly go there. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter ten. And I want you to go and read Isaiah chapter ten. Can you do that? Uh, uh, uh. Isaiah chapter ten. Isaiah chapter ten is. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 is is the whole warfare that actually happened and how God created Mount Zion in one day. Okay? I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 10 very carefully. Okay? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 10. Okay. uh, So he is now talking. He is talking to the world the world says the world is uh, God is saying the world is all sin Israel is sin, and Israel is going through all this punishment correct Isaiah chapter 10 this is how it says woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees who write misfortune to rob the media of uh, justice and to take what is right from the poor blah 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 without me they shall and then say the consequence of all their sin verse 4 without me they shall bow down among the prisoners and they shall fall among the slain and look at verse 4 for all this his anger is not turned away and his hand is stretched out still. So God is saying despite all the punishment that Israel undertook and suffered because of their sins God's anger is still not turned away. His hand is still raised up to hit you. Can you see this powerful picture of God? God says you thought that you have suffered enough. How long will you be punished? God says, no. No, you have not suffered enough. You have not suffered enough. My hand is still raised up to hit you. Did you, did you read, read that verse? For all this, for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is stretched out still. Say, hand is stretched out still. So God's hand is still stretched out against the world, was again still stretched out in the hand because their punishment was not exacted. So they suffered, they suffered, they suffered. So punishment happens because God is angry against their iniquities, right? But, his hand, but even with all the punishment that came upon Israel, Israel was uh, into captivity, went into Babylon, they suffered, all kinds of things that the world is suffering too. But they, and you say, but God is saying, no, 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 no. That punishment is still not enough. My hand is still raised up because it's not enough. So when will it be now? Hmm? Very interesting question. Go to uh, to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 20. So this chapter is telling, is about the new covenant but he says, a lot of the prophets that came to Israel and says, he came and told Israel. Correct. So look at verse 17. So the prophets come, came to Israel who were sinners and uh, who, who, when they were under sin and came and told them, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of your own heart, they say, No evil shall come upon you. So, is the prophet saying the right thing to the people? No. Why? Why? So, God is saying the prophets are telling you that you shall have peace. So, are the prophets telling you the right thing? No. Why? Look at this. Verse 19. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. A violent whirlwind, it will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back. Say, will not turn back? Until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. Do you see that? So he says, though you have suffered big, you cannot say you you, you can get peace. You cannot get peace unless the lord performs something in the latter days then you will understand it perfectly what is that what is that let's go back to let's go back to German, isaiah chapter 10 again isaiah chapter 10 isaiah chapter 10 what says verse 12 can somebody read that So what God is saying is therefore it shall come to pass when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem. So one day God was going to perform something on Mount Zion. What what work is that? That anger that that could not be satisfied. He is going to perform that work on Mount Zion one day. When he does that he will... Punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria. Why? God was was using the king of Assyria to punish Israel. And then God says, But once I have exacted the punishment from Jesus on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, guess what happens? I can now turn back and go after the king of Assyria. Who is the king of Assyria? Satan of Assyria is Satan. He says, unless one day, that's why he says in the latter days you will understand it carefully because till then your punishment is not exacted. But one day on Mount Zion when my hand is fully finished resting, finished punishing, finished completely punished Jesus, then I can turn around and go after whom? Satan. Because Satan for a change for for a long time was thinking that he is very proud. He's thinking that hey, what? Guess what? I have legal right over all of you, and I can I can punish you because I am God's avenger. Make sense? The king of Assyria says so. When he comes against you for sickness and disease, he's ah, this is the key. He's acting as God's avenger. He's acting as God's avenger exacting an unfinished punishment. Do you make sense? So God saying, "Hold it. One day I cannot do anything about it right now. I know you want peace, but I cannot give you peace. And anybody who tells you peace is is a liar. You say you've suffered long, but I cannot still stop hitting you. My hand is still raised up. But one day my hand will rest." On Mount Zion, and I will finish a work. I don't you don't understand it now, but you'll understand it later. But when that happens, when that happens on Mount Zion, when that happens, guess what? I can now turn against King of Assyria. So something beautiful happened on that day, on the day of crucifixion. So here was the king of Assyria, who is Satan. He is now exacting punishment on Israel. All the earth is under his control. Now he is exacting punishment on God's son. Because now he thinks that God's son is under his control. But he doesn't know this hand that God has raised against Jesus is a plan that he had purposed long before. But Satan doesn't know that in Jesus, punishing Jesus his Anger is finished, and the moment his anger is finished, he can turn against the king of Assyria. Do you see this? He didn't see that. You see, Satan didn't know that. Satan thought he got the whole world, and God is using me as an avenger. Now he is using me as an avenger on his son. You, you, you have to see what's going on, what's going on there. This is so powerful and I don't have time to expound it. It is so powerful. Look at this. Look at verse 10. You want want to know what Satan was thinking to himself? You want to know Satan's thoughts? Right? This is Satan's thoughts. 10. Isaiah 10. Verse 13 and 14. By the strength of my hand I have done it. Satan is telling. I've done it. I've done it with the strength of my hand. (laughs) My third question is, How was he succeeding against God's people? How was he succeeding? Because of God's law used against them. Correct? It was not his strength. It was the law that was against him. Correct? He was using Mount Sinai to afflict them. Amen? Yes or no? Correct? But now, because because of so many years of persecuting the earth and subjugating it because of sin, he now becomes very proud. And he says what? By the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, I am prudent. I am smart. Hmm. That's what Satan thinks to himself. I have removed the boundaries of the people. That means he's saying, I have removed the boundaries means I have taken them captive from their land. I have made them captives away from their land. Their land was God's Zion. But God's promised land, Eden. Right? Remember, they took them, the boundary. They, he drove them out from, he got them out from Eden. All their boundaries, all their pleasant places, he got them out. Right? He removed the boundaries. I've robbed their treasures. Correct? That's what he thinks. That's what God, Satan still thinks. He's proud. He doesn't think otherwise. He doesn't read scripture. He doesn't read, he read scripture through faith. Like you and I can read. We, our eyes have been unveiled. We can see it in Christ Jesus. He doesn't think. So he thinks, I've I robbed them of their treasures. Oh, this guy is not making money. I am the one who... Because this guy doesn't know right? I have put them down the inhabitants like a valiant man. My hand has found a nest, the riches of the people, and as one gathers eggs that are left, I have gathered all the earth. There is not one who moved his wing, nor, nor opened his mouth with even a peep. This is how Satan thinks of you, man. I'm telling you, this is how he thinks of people. Do you want to know what Satan thinks? This is powerful. This is what he thinks. He says, you know, when you chance upon a nest with all eggs still in it, and you take the eggs, what do you think? You say, think what? I can take these eggs. The mother hen or the eagle cannot touch me. And nobody is going to move a wing. And nobody is going to make a noise. Means what? They are totally powerless. I can take all their eggs. I can take all their nature. So who is thinking of this? Why? Because God had used him as a rod in his hand. As an avenger. Correct? But it was only until Mount Zion happened. Right? So he doesn't know this. So this this is all going through his head. I have now got the whole world. I have got Jesus. So now I can kill his son and the whole vineyard becomes mine. Remember that parable? Let's kill the son. Let's kill the son. Let's kill the son. He was standing before this woman. That's why revelation is powerful. Picture is there of this dragon standing before the woman, waiting for her to give birth. Right, right. Waiting for him to give birth so that he might devour him the moment he's born. Right. So that picture is of Mount Zion. So he's waiting for this woman, this birth child to be given birth. Right. So he can kill it. So that, that day was that day on the cross. He thought that's it. He he he, he couldn't get Jesus when he was born. But now he's a full grown man. Now is the time to kill him. Now he can get him. And he doesn't know everything. So he's getting ready. Correct? That's what he says. Then now, now go. In the exactly he when he was taken to the cross. with Right. So, it's shown very clearly, like after that, Satan would be thinking, okay, it's all mine now, like, it's going yep. to land, and yep. after that, he, he, Satan did not, like, think the future, did not see the future,
1: Correct. but it's going to happen to, uh, like, so the Satan. Right. To, so, so, it will be a shock to...
0: It's you. a shock. It was a major shock. You don't know what happened. So, he's thinking that labor pains are going to happen slowly. See, what's going to. See, he's thinking about labor birth, right? You understand this, Mount Zion was not born like Mount Hagar, Sinai. Mount Sinai was in bondage for a long time. So, labor pains for a long time. So, Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, did not happen like that. So, he is thinking, I will have enough warning if anything goes away. I will have enough time, I can look at this, I can attack it, I know it because I know. Mount Zion is a different ballgame. Did not happen like that. You want to see that? You want to see that? Okay, keep reading. So now God is talking to uh, Satan. Verse 15: Shall an axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Oh, that is so cool. See how Satan chops before, before, not in now, not now. Now God doesn't use Satan and his uh, kingdom to use, uh, get avenge his justice. No. He doesn't. He doesn't. But look at it. Can an axe boast against him who chops with it? Or shall a saw exalt himself against him who saws with it? As if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up. As if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, who sends leanness into the fat ones. Now he's talking about his kingdom. Fat ones are the kingdom of the, of Satan. And under his glory, he will kindle a burning, like the burning of a fire. So the light of Israel will be for a fire and his holy one. Who is his holy one? Jesus is always referred to as father's holy one. Jesus. And the holy one for a flame, it will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in how many days? How many days? How many days? Hallelujah! It's not like labor pains for many days. In one day, he's going to burn the stones up. You will be amazed if I show you a passage right now. You know David's last words? Bible records David's last words. Did you know that? It records David's last words. And David's last words is a prophecy that this would happen. That God's Son, the Holy One, will burn up the thorns and the briars. Right? Right? It's exciting. But I will show it to you after something that happened on the cross. I've still not told you what happened on the cross. So this is what is happening. Right? So God is prophesying to Satan. Saying, I will do this to you. You are very haughty right now, but I'm going to burn you up in how many days? One day. One day. Okay. Keep reading. And then, uh, there's a lot of stuff there. And uh, it talks about the believers. Uh, verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day, the remnant of Israel which day? Same day? When he burnt up the, uh, the thorns and the briars. Same day. Correct? It shall come in that past that the remnant of Israel, which we are called right now in Christ Jesus, a remnant, such as have escaped. Look at the word escaped. We escape of the house of Jacob, will never again depend on him who defeated them. So we, we of the believers will never depend on Satan. We'll not depend on our sword. We'll not depend on our spears. We'll no, never again depend on that. No, we're done. That dependence is over. We'll never again depend on the law on him on him who defeated him, but we'll depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, which is Jesus, in what? Do you see the word truth? In truth. That means in grace. In Jesus, you can now depend on Him. You are kept from the evil one. You can depend on Him. You can depend on Him. You say, Anil, I don't have any weapons. Cool. Depend on Him in truth. Right? You will not be put to shame. Right? You say, Anil, I am sick. And my body is weak. Hold it. You are not supposed to be sick. Right? You're supposed to be on Mount Zion. You're the health of Christ Jesus. right? The Bible says in another part of Zion, they shall say, the sick shall say, the, in- the inhabitant shall say, that I am sick no more. That's how they, the inhabitants of Zion say, we are not sick. So he says, but you shall keep yourself in truth. Correct? You believe that. Okay, keep going. The remnant shall return to the mighty God. For though the, your people, O Israel, be a sand of the sea, a remnant of them shall return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. I know it's a tough word. But what he's saying is God had decreed destruction on you. God replaces it with overflow of righteousness. So what God, enemy had meant against you of destruction, that decree that came from God because of your sins, God because of what he did to Jesus, it overflows with righteousness towards you. So the decree that is meant to destroy where came, is ended up bringing righteousness. Do you remember somewhere in the Old Testament, there's a story of a decree that went out? Instead of destroying them, the decree went and blessed them. Come on. Esther. See, the decree went first from Haman to destroy the Jewish people. But because of what Jesus did, and it's a picture of the church. Because of church, of Mordecai, as the one, because of the blessing. And because of the favor then came upon Esther. Because she received favor for something that she did not do because somebody else did it. See, the, Esther is a picture of the church. Correct? And the decree that went out to destroy the people of the church ended up blessing them. Because then the decree came back. You remember what the decree went? said, wherever this decree reaches, let them destroy the ones who have been sent against them. They, got to, uh, The king could not reverse the first decree but he sent a new decree saying now you have authority over all these guys who are going to come to enforce the first decree isn't that exactly what Satan does? so Satan still roams around carrying an old decree against a new citizen but you have a new covenant and a new decree has gone from Mount Zion to you and you live by that truth so which is the truth to you? the first decree or the second decree? that is it. That is called rightly dividing the word of God do you get this? this is why it says, Paul said to Timothy know you need to rightly divide the God because the workman who rightly divides the God will not be ashamed because if you think that the first decree is for you you are going to be put to shame! Because the one who walks around with the first decree is still on the earth and you are on the earth. But you are only protected when you believe the truth. The truth is the present truth, not the old truth of Mount Sinai, the present truth of a new decree which says, you are on Mount Zion, nobody can touch you, you can have a right to protect yourself. Hallelujah. So So the decree of destruction overflowed with righteousness. Do you see that picture? This, this picture, this Isaiah 10, is a secret. I mean, there's so much stuff. Can you believe all this is all in the Bible? Sitting there? I mean, everything is there? Of what happened? I, I will show you something that will blow your mind. I mean, bless you. Not blow your mind. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm not even coming to that. But I'm just excited about this one verse. Right? Overflow with righteousness. Do you have the picture. Jesus is hidden all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. I mean, you just... I'll show you something later on next time. Something... I'll call it the The mystery of the Alefta. Oh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. But yeah, that's something different. Okay. The uh, Destruction decree shall overflow with righteousness, for the Lord of hosts will make a determined end in the midst of all the life. What is he talking about? God has decided that this punishment will make happen in the middle of the land. What is in the middle of Israel? What is in the middle of Israel? Jerusalem. In the middle of Jerusalem is Mount Zion. In Mount Zion is the cross. And on that, he's determined that he will finish the work there. Remember, um, Isaiah 10 says, verse 12, it shall come to pass when the Lord has performed his work on Mount Zion, on Jerusalem, then he will turn, right? Remember I showed you in Jeremiah that in the latter days you will understand perfectly the anger is not turned yet, yet, don't keep telling these people peace, 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 no, 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 no. The anger has not turned it yet, my hand is still my hand is still raised up okay, my hand is still raised up right? okay Okay, I want you to I want you to I want you to look at the next verse. The most powerful verse. Here. Therefore says the Lord of hosts. Can you read that? Verse 24. O my people who dwell in Zion. Who dwell in Zion. So he's talking to whom? People in Zion. He's talking to me. What is he telling you? So if God has to tell you something about this king of Assyria, what he has to tell you? Look at what he says. Oh my people who dwell in Zion, not to everybody else, but to those who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. Don't be afraid of Satan now. For he shall strike you with a rod and lift up his raw staff against you in the manner of Egypt. like like he would persecute the Israelites in Egypt. He will try to strike you with that. Right? Right? For a little while and the indignation will cease. When will it cease? On the cross. When God was speaking this to Israel, the cross had still not happened. He says, don't be afraid of the Assyrians. I know. I know. I know he's striking you with a with a rod, as if of Egypt. But don't worry. The indignation is going to cease. Keep reading. As will my anger in their destruction. I will destroy them. And then he says, What will happen to Satan? It will come to pass that his burden, whose burden? Satan's burden shall be taken away from your shoulder. Remember, Jesus said, Cast all your yokes on me, for I care it for you. So he said, He's going to carry, take it. And his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the? So what? This anointing oil means anointing. It's just anointing. Means What is anointing? The yoke will be destroyed because of what? What do you mean anointing? Because of the Messiah. The Messiah means anointed one. Because of the anointed one, your yoke will be destroyed. Destroyed. And then he says, what all will happen? Satan will come to this. He will come to these places. Uh He's talking about all his kingdoms. And then says verse 32. Yet he will remain at Nob that day. He will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. There you go. Satan can only shake his fist against the mount of Zion. All he can do is look at you and shake his fist. He cannot touch you. He can just shake his fist. He can look at you and say, I have to destroy them. But I cannot. because Why? Because they are on... Mount Zion. Keep reading. Isaiah chapter 11. Then there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Keep reading. That's the menorah, right? It's the seven spirits of God resting on Jesus Christ. If you count it, there are seven. This is the menorah. This is the picture. The rod. It's an almond rod. This is what John saw when he turned to look. And Jesus walking in the candlestands. There were seven candlestands. Jesus was in the midst and the the presentation of there is Jesus walking in the candlestand. The same candlestand is the menorah. And the seven spirits. And he says the seven fires burning before his throne are the seven spirits of God. So here he's saying look at Jesus. The rod will come out from Jesus. And then, I I don't want to go into the rest of it, but he says, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord, talking about Jesus. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be his belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Now look at what he says. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young calf, the calf with the young lion, the little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, the nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole, and the wean child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. So, on this mountain, Satan now for the first time has no power. So, the lion will lie with the lamb. So tell me this, who had a problem first? The lion or the lamb? Huh? The lamb had a problem. Lion never had a problem. So who was the lion? Satan. The lamb always was afraid of the lion. But on this mountain, the lamb lies on with the lion. Because we are on in the earth, he cannot touch us. Okay? Then he says, So many pictures of it. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Who had a problem before? (laughs) Look at that. The leopard never had any problem. But the problem was the young goat. But on this mountain, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. So it's advantageous to whom? To the leopard or for the goat? See, there a lot of confusion about it? (laughs) No. It's advantageous for the goat. So on Mount Zion, you don't have to be afraid of the leper, correct? Because he's talking about this Satan and his kingdom. Keep reading. A calf and the young lion and the fatling together, a young, ch- a little child shall lead them. That means even a believer who is not grown up in the Lord can has authority over demons and all these powers of the enemy. Correct? Correct. Keep reading. The cow and the bear shall graze. Who had a problem before? The cow, right? The young lions shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw <coughs> like the ox. Ox and the lion, the ox. The nurse, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's pole. Who had a problem? The nursing child. The Bible says, and then he says, the wean child shall put his hand in the wiper's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy. Where? Where? on my holy mountain on my mountain they cannot touch you they cannot touch you brothers and sisters so what he says even a wean child shall put his hand in the vipers den that means, remember what Jesus said in Luke behold I give you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and nothing of the power of the enemy can hurt you, same verse when did that happen? because when Mount Zion came into the picture and then when he stood on before his, after his resurrection, when he's about to ascend, he told in Mark, he said, I give you authority over all the powers of the enemy. Correct? All the powers of the enemy. He's talking about this. The scripture being fulfilled, that you have authority over all these serpents. They shall take up s- snakes. They shall speak with new tongues. Which verse is that? So can you take up snakes right now? Even though you're a new believer, can you put your hand in the wiper's hole? He says, you can. You can provided you are weaned, and we'll talk about it some other time. Weaned means you are weaned from the milk of the word, and now eating the word of righteousness. Now you are weaned. That means you are weaned from milk. That means you are you are just not saved. Now you believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the Bible says defines weaned. That's why uh, when Isaac was weaned, Abraham gave a great feast. And the same day, uh, Ishmael was cast out. It's a picture. The same day, when Isaac was weaned, Abraham gave a great feast. And that same day, Ishmael was cast out. Same day. Because when the believer is weaned, the serpents can be cast out. Till then, he had no authority. So when you are matured in the word of righteousness, now you can go into the enemy's den and attack. He cannot touch you even otherwise. He can play around his den because we are in his den, right? We are on the earth, we are around all cobra holes everywhere. We can play around it. This is our playground. We have our ministry. He cannot touch us. But if you want to put your hand into his hole, you better be sure of who you are in Christ Jesus. That means you need to be weaned from milk. That means you cannot just believe that I am saved. You should know that your righteousness is from God. When you know that, now you can. Isn't that good? Now I can go after demons, and they have no authority because I have established in my righteousness. I'm weaned, right? Now I want you to go to Psalms, and I promised you that Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty-two. Second Samuel chapter twenty-two. Second Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22 is a picture of what happened on the cross. Second chapter chapter 22. Okay. Uh, uh, George, can you come over here and read it so really can here so uh, George is going to just read this. So this is a picture of what happened to Jesus on the cross. So this is what happened. Jesus was on the cross, right? He was hanging on the cross for three hours. From the third, uh, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness on the earth. That's when he started suffering. St- that's where he started. Remember the hand that was not finished, finished pain, the hand that of God that was raised up, was never satisfied with punishment. That came upon Jesus that time. From the ninth hour, 6th hour to the ninth hour. And then he started seeing stuff. Yeah. Then he started suffering. He started really suffering. And a lot of things happened. And the Bible talks about what happened in this psalm. This is a prophetic psalm. Uh, it's not a psalm actually. It is hidden in 2 Samuel chapter 22. <laughs> it is hidden there. Oh, what happened? What Jesus spoke and what was the response of God. And something very beautiful happened. And you have, I don't think you have read this before. I don't think you have read this. So I want Jaws to read this very carefully and very loudly. And I will tell you what happened. Okay? Keep reading. So was one on this? Uh, yes. Now this is Jesus on the cross praying. Correct? See, remember Jesus cried out. The Bible says on the cross. Two or three times he cried out. And the Bible says in Hebrews, he was heard because of his fervent prayers. And God delivered him from death. And a lot of places say God delivered Jesus not because he was son of God. No. He delivered because he was perfect and righteous as a man and was obedient and he cried out to the Lord. You should see the cry of Jesus to his father and read this. Okay? Keep reading.
1: The David spoke to the Lord the words of the song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul and he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out unto my God. And he heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and... Right.
0: So look at this what happened. When the waves of death surrounded Jesus. He's about to die. Now he His soul is not getting separated from God. That is death. That is death. Right. That is death. He's about to, and, he, and he's about to cry, and he cries out that time. He says, what does he cry out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the punishment is lasting you now three, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. He's now taking all the punishment of all generations, past, present, future, and this is the purpose of Father God. That's why Isaiah 53 says, when they saw, when people saw him suffering, they thought, God is punishing him. Yes, God is punishing him. But he was bruised for our transgression. He was chastened for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Isaiah is telling us, No, 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 You're getting this wrong. He is suffering, yes, by God. But it is for yours. The suffering is getting us real. Now death is coming. Now remember the king of Assyria is not getting Ready. Ready. Now death is around him. He's not attacking him. He's completely not complete. He's separating him. And for the first time, in that period, he says, my God, my God. And the Bible says, in the Gospel, Matthew, he cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's about to die. He's dead. I mean, this is forsaken me means you are separated from eternal God. But he died crying. My God! My God! This is... Why have this. You... I mean, he could take all his punishment. I mean, he could take everything, right? I mean, God says, my hand is not... So this is amazing. This is what Father God has said. So this is exactly happened to Jesus. So he's taking this blow after blow after blow after blow after blow. So God, Jesus, like Israel, is saying, is this enough? Is this enough? Is this enough? Is it not this enough? But the Bible says in Jeremiah, my anger is not turned yet. My hand is still raised. So he doesn't stop at the first hour, the second hour. He's like going on. And God continued continue to hit him. What? Did hit him and God says, my hand is not stopped yet. It's not, it's not So Jesus, like three hours, he suffers under this. Punishment of God. And he's like, so now we understand, for us it's easy to say, you know, his hand is not raised enough. But for Jesus, it's just three hours of solid punishment. He says, God says, no, not enough. Not enough, it's not finished yet. Because it's not fully exacted, right? It's not fully exacted. He says, my hand is not raised. So and he gets it. So he gets completely separated. And he says, and he cries out, loud. And the Bible says in Matthew, my God he never called God God never He never called him God never never this is the son who is in the very bosom of the father. never as once he had a relationship where he called so in his house. He was never afraid of God he was in the Father of God, God loved them even before we were ever created you know they had great communion we always read that God created man to add fellowship no. He was very happy and content having fellowship with his son, very content, but he wanted to share his love, that is why he created that. Why do parents have children? To have fellowship with them? Seriously? That is so selfish. No wonder some Indian parents never let their children go after marriage. (laughs) They are like producing children to have fellowship, right? Because you want fellowship. I like, we like fellowship, but because you want to share the love that we have for them. Isn't it? Whether they live with us forever or not, but we still love them. Isn't it? So God created that. For the first time, he said, my God, my God, my universe. This is what happened. This cry went into heaven to Father God. Remember, now Satan has overplayed. The punishment is now getting finished. It is hit. And he thought it is going to take many days. He thought this punishment is going to be for eternity. He thought that this is going to be forever. Correct? He thought it is going to be done. It is going to be like this is like... Because eternally he will be separated from the father. He thought this is it. So now forever... The kingdoms are mine forever. The kingdoms cannot be redeemed forever. Right? But something happened. When he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Guess what? George,
1: great. Yeah. Then the earth shook and trembled.
0: Trembled! He said that I, he heard my voice from his temple. Where is God? In his temple. Right? And my cry entered his ears. He heard. He's like his son, Abba, Abba, Abba. And he crowded his face. And God look at God's response. This, you have never read this. I'm told, I don't, I do not i do not know whether you read this. What God did on that day. It is so beautiful. This is so when for the first time God's punishment is met, complete. He loves you, he could exact everything, he's done. He got that. And now he he's going for his son. Now now his priority is what? Get my son. So how does he go for his son? This is so beautiful. Verse 8. Read it. it?
1: Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken. Because he was angry.
0: For the first time, God is angry. Ah, Hallelujah. The earth shakes. You know what happened on the cross? In the ninth hour, the Bible says there was an earthquake. This says what happened. Why was there an earthquake? Because God is got up from his throne and he is angry. Why? Because now he cannot be punished anymore. He is about to overplay his hand. Satan is about to overplay his hand because he cannot punish him more than what is exacted already. Now it's like, hold it. Okay, 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 now! Get out! Because he's not finished it! Because he's not separated from God! That cry came in, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's lost his relationship as a father and a son. He got it. Then, God, he's dead in the spirit. He's dead in the spirit, brothers and sisters. He's physically dead. Not physically dead. He's in the spirit, he's separated. Because remember, you are you are spirit beings. You don't physically, you don't ever not cease to exist. That's done. The spirit beings always live someplace. Only your place has to be decided. Either you are on Mount Zion with him forever, or you are in in or in hell, separated from God forever. Spirit beings don't cease to exist. So Jesus' spirit was now separated from Father God. So what's happened to him? What happened to him? He died. He's spiritually died. So now is the biggest question. How can a spiritually dead person be resurrected? Satan says that's not possible because that's never happened before. Spirit beings which are separated are separated forever. There is no second chance. Third chance? No, no, no. Once you're separated, you're separated. That's done. So he is now thinking, "This is it. The savior of the whole world is separated from Father God. I have, I have got my ultimate victory of separation. This is death, and Jesus dies spiritually. But the sacrifice goes out to heaven, right? And then he says."
1: He? Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. From the brightness before him coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows
0: and scattered them. Right, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Do you see this? I mean, this, if this can be put into a Hollywood movie, cinematographic experience, I don't think we understand what all happened. This all happened when that earthquake happened on Jerusalem. This was happening in the heavens. You don't understand what all happened. God is now coming for his son. He goes from heaven. He gets up. And his smoke is rising up from his nostrils. <laughs> he is angry. He's coming for his son. How, how angry will you be if you are going to redeem your son from an evil den when you had the power? Right? Now God is getting ready. And he says, The earth chill and trouble, The foundations of the heaven quaked and were shaken. Smoke went up from his nostrils, devouring fire from his mouth. Holes were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens, all of heavens, dipped when he got up and shook, and he rode on a cherub. You oh, man, I don't know what cherub is this. God riding on a cherub, this living creature, and all of the universe saw this coming, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies round him like. You're talking about universes and galaxies all swirling around him and God moving, going for his son to redeem him from hell. Really going out for hell at the furthest place. And amazing.
1: The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice.
0: Okay, now question is, what did he say? He uttered his voice, correct? What's that? Correct! What did he say? He uttered his voice. Do you want to know what did he say? Read Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. Oh, this is so beautiful. I I wish we had a lot of time. man. I know you guys are so tired. Your body is like, man, I'm feeling sleepy. And I'm like, okay. We'll we'll get whatever we can. But I'm like, how do I stop now? (laughs) But anyway, let's finish up this passage and we'll be done. Psalms chapter 2. Uh, I'll read this. Okay? Why do the nations rage and the people plot the vain thing? He's talking about Satan. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Exactly. Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast their cords from us. That's exactly what the king of Assyria said. Let's now get, get rid of this father and his son business forever. The the king's means all these demonic powers. All these demonic powers. And he says, he who sits in the heavens shall who has the last love? God. How does he come? The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them with his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of let me ask you, when was Zion created? So God God, God says, the voice, remember he sh- thundered with a loud voice, and what did he say? This is what he said. Next verse. George, can you read it?
1: I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled, but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. This is what
0: happened. When the voice came out from heaven he said my, when boys came out from Jerusalem on that hill saying my God my God why have you forsaken me God heard Jesus' voice and he came out with darkness with fire out of his nostrils bending the heavens and riding on a chariot. he ran for his son and he came down to his son and said you he went down to hell to his son because he separated from God he, go, he went to his dead soul his soul that is separated and tormented and separated for him, and he looks to his son and says, you, my son, I have set you on Mount Zion, today, I have birthed you, rise up, and his spirit rose up, and boom, it went from the deepest darkness, it went up to the highest mountain, can you believe to his son and said today I have begotten you, means what is begotten me, what is begotten me today, means today today when you call my name my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, I have begotten you, means I say get up I have given you birth that is why he is called the firstborn, Remember, he was never born before that, see Jesus was never born he never had a birthday. He was always was. See, why was he born? He was born on on the day of crucifixion. For the first time, God said, called out to that soul when the king of Assyria, Satan was telling that we are going to break our bonds and destroy ourselves and we'll, but God in heaven laughs and he comes riding on a cherub. And he said, today I have begotten you. And the Bible talks about it. Hebrews chapter 5, Paul refers to this exact event and says this is when Jesus was raised up from the dead. But Anil, I thought Jesus was raised up from the dead three days after he died. No! No! Do Do you want to know good doctrine? Jesus was raised that time. Everything happened on the cross. Oh, you will love, love this, you will love this teaching because now it will clarify a lot of things. That is why First Peter says that he not being dead in the spirit, ah, but dead in the body, but not being dead in the spirit, went down to the prison and to the spirits that were held in bondage before the flood and preached to them and led captivity captive. How can he do that? Because in the body he was dead, but in the spirit he was and what did he do? Satan was thinking that this is going to be multi-generational event, multi-millennial he will be separated from God and I have a great reign, but everything happened when? Everything happened suddenly! How can you give birth suddenly? That is why Bible says Oh, do you want to see about Mount Zion? How, how fast that birth happened? Can a be born? Oh, can a nation be born at once? Remember? In one day, we think about it's about Israel. No, brother, sister, this is not about Israel. See, everything about Zion has a parallel in the physical nation of Israel. Everything. But the, the substance is the Zion. So, oh, you want to see this? You want to see this? Go back to read, remember Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus' death on the cross. How many of you know that? Okay, if you don't know that, you should read that. Isaiah 53 is a a mandatory chapter for all believers. You have to know that that chapter is of Jesus. Right? Isaiah chapter 54 starts by saying what? Isaiah chapter 54, can you read that?
1: Sing, O barren, you who have not borne. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings.
0: Okay, hold it. So, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break up. So, he's saying, he's telling to Zion, you who have not labored with children, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married. Okay. I have to find the verse which talks about uh, Bonte, okay. I have so many verses, but I have to look at that. Okay, it says... uh, Look, uh, Galatians chapter 4, so what happened in, let's, let's stay with Isaiah chapter 54, it says, Sing O Aaron, you have not born, break forth into singing. cry aloud, you have not, huh? Isaiah 668 but finish this, it says, you have not labored with child, so this Zion was not laboring with child, see even before he labored with child, she gave birth, So on the cross, Zion happened quickly. It did not happen with labor. It happened quickly. You thought that God will take some more time. No, it happened quickly. Okay, Isaiah uh, Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Zion, okay. Okay, you want to hear the sound that came from the temple? Everything is linked. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 6. The sound of noise from the city which city? Mount Zion. What sound was the noise from the city? The city where Jesus in Jerusalem, correct? He cried out. A voice from the temple. We just read about that. How God came in 2 Samuel. We just studied how God heard his voice and he came from the temple with a big sound saying he cried out from his temple and he told to his son in the depths of hell and said today I have begotten you. Got it? Make sense? Okay. And the cry from the temple. The voice of the Lord. Same word? The voice of the Lord. Who fully repays his enemies. Now he's going to repay Satan is going to has overplayed his card. He's going to go after the king of Assyria. Correct? But now he says what? Before she was in labor. Same verse. See, Mount Zion, before Jesus was in labor. That is, before you thought that Mount Zion could be established, she gave God. So Satan was like totally confused. He's like, what, what has happened? The cross is not even over. I mean, the, Jesus is not even physically, but gave over. Do you understand what happened? It is like somebody gave He He was not physically dead. He was still on the cross. He was still breathing. Remember? When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went into hell. Correct? He cried out. God came And said, today I have begotten you. He called him out, his spirit. Right? And the same day, before, hey. So Satan is looking at this. He's not even dead and I'm defeated. See, it blew his mind. That is why, these are all pictures. These are real pictures. This is exactly what happened. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. That is before the labor was over. This is very unlike Mount Sinai. In Mount Sinai, the bondage is years and years and years. Satan is used to Mount Sinai bondage and labor. That is why he put Israel into Mount Sinai bondage. That is why they suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. But for Zion, Jesus redeemed Jew and Gentile, to those who believe, into Mount Sinai immediately. It immediately happened. Okay, hear this. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered what? Hold it. She delivered what? Male child. Where did we read a male child was born? Today I, Today I have begotten you. What child was that? Male child. Remember we studied <laughs> in the other passage, a male lamb, a male had to be come. Uh, Malachi, we said we don't have a male you didn't bring a male to me he studied that I think, why important it's for a male child a male child, remember the, the uh, revision in Revelation the dragon was waiting with, before the woman her child was caught up to God and his throne suddenly so the Satan came to uh, uh, devour the child as soon as it is born, it's a picture of Zion so he, Zion is going to be created, and he wants to devour it as soon as possible. But before he can even go, he's caught up to the God on His throne. Exactly what happened? So he immediately he was caught up from the deepest hell to the highest mountain, Mount Zion, on one minute. Not sorry, not one minute. I don't even know. The voice went out, and it came. Up. So before she even was in labor, she gave birth to a male child. Correct. Amen? Just stick with me because I know this is a little deeper teaching. But do you like this? Because I, I didn't even understand what happened on the cross. Not all these all jumbled bits of my God, my God, Father, died, bro- brother, everybody all mixed up, jang-pang. And you're like, so then did Jesus die? Then why did he say he's finished? Then why did he say, I commit my spirit into your hand? If he's separated from God, how can he commit his spirit to the See, there's all this confusion about it. It was bad news. Say bad news. Very bad news for Satan. No time for preparation. No time to preempt anything what happened. This was a strategic, major blindside blow to Satan. Because this was a plan of God. He's going to use Satan to avenge the justice, the punishment. But when he tries to overplay my son is going to get separated forever. And then I will raise him up and cause him to be born. And he rose up and became to Jesus on on Mount Zion. So now his physical position, his spiritual position is where? Where Jesus uh, spiritual position is where? On Mount Zion. Where did I read it? Did, Did I make it up? No. Where did I read it? No. About Jesus being put on Mount Zion on that day, where did we read it? Psalms chapter 2. Go back to Psalms chapter 2. I want you to get established in it. Why is it important? Because if it has happened to him, it doesn't have to. It has happened to you too. Psalms chapter 2. What is the first word that God said to his son? Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2.
1: The Lord has said to me, you are
0: my son. Not that, before that. Verse 5. Yet
1: I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion.
0: Correct! So God sends Jesus on the holy hill of Zion and then calls him out and says, begot, today I have begotten you. So the Zion came first. So he set him up. He set him up. But Jesus physically is still where? On the earth. earth. Where is his spirit? In Mount Zion. Zion. Make sense? Just like where are you right now? On the earth. On earth Jerusalem. Where is your spirit? On On Mount Zion. See exactly what happened to Jesus where you are. So your victory is as dramatic as his victory. Satan did not see this with Jesus. He does not see it with you. Makes sense? So you understand you are not on Mount Sinai, Jerusalem. You are on Mount Zion, Jerusalem. That is why the Bible says Jerusalem is a plural word. you know something? In, in Hebrew is cherubim uh, Elohim is all plural. The M in Hebrew is like S in English. So that is why the word says Elohim as a clue to all the Jews that God is three. It's hidden in that a plurality. That is why God says Elohim said let us let us make God. So exactly. But why is Jerusalem plural? It's as if it says Jerusalem's Right? Why there are Jerusalems? Why? Because there are there's a physical Jerusalem and there is heavenly Jerusalem. Make sense? Okay, keep reading. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Nobody has seen. It's never a... Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Now he's talking about a physical city. Shall a nation be born at once? So which nation was born that day? Which nation was born? Mount Zion. That's a nation. Remember it's a city. It's a country. It's heavenly Jerusalem. It is Mount Zion. It's got mountain of holiness. It's got different names. But it is a nation. See that's why it says our citizenship is not from here. Citizenship always belongs to a... Nation. So he says nation. But I thought a child was born, right? Isn't it? The previous verse says a child was born. Isn't it? Here, uh, John. So why is talking about a nation being born? About... Happened at the same time. We are in him. When Jesus was raised up in a spirit, we were raised up in the spirit. When Jesus suffered for his punishment, remember who passed over the Kidron Valley? He and his disciples. But who suffered Kidron Valley? Jesus. But we get to get to the place without going through the suffering. Isn't that cool? So when the male child was born, the nation was born. Say the male child. The nation. The male child. The nation. Get this this in your spirit. When the male child was born, the nation was born. And the nation was born and then guess what? as soon as Zion was in labor there you go just just so that people don't get misunderstood as soon as Zion was in labor she gave birth to her children who are the children? I thought only a male child was born, right? who are the other children who were born? all of us all our spirits were raised up with Jesus in heavenly places isn't that cool? isn't it exciting that our spirits are now in heaven with Jesus in Mount Zion and why? Shall I bring to a time of birth and not cause delivery? Shall I cause delivery? Shut up the womb. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her all. You rejoice. Love her. Says it. And that says verse 13. as a mother comfort so I comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jer- Jerusalem. How many comforts are there in that verse? Verse 13. How many comforts are there? How many comforts are there? Where
1: did
0: we read Three (laughs) Comforts? See, Isaiah chapter 40 said comfort, speak comfort, speak comfort to Jerusalem. Your warfare has ended. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's a good place to close. That's a good place to close. Why is it important? Your warfare has ended. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you about what, what G, uh, uh, the prayer of David, the last prayer. The last words of David. Huh? I'm not going to go in that. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22 is this passage, right? Read 1 Samuel chapter 23. The last words of David is he's talking about Satan. The thorns and the briars will not be destroyed by any man, but it will be destroyed by you, O God. The Holy One of Israel. (laughs) Where did we read that the thorns and the brush will be destroyed? In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 10. So, the message is that Satan has no power over you, brothers and sisters. Now, you are on Mount Zion. You are a different kingdom. Uh, next time we'll study about Isaiah chapter 65 and the benefits on Mount Zion. It's powerful. It talks about this table that is available for you. That you will eat but others will lack. You will drink but others will thirst. He's talking about these two kingdoms, these two mountains. that are solely different. I want you to get this revelation of it. Don't, be, don't start believing that my, oh God is still angry with me. Now you understood. God is not angry with you. He's finished. He's finished, right? So when the enemy comes with a new decree, or old decree, what do you show him? A new decree. Correct? There is so much of truth in this Zion experience. So when, when the enemy comes with sickness, you should say, but I am of Mount Zion. Doesn't belong to me. I am in Mount Zion. So should I be blessed right now, every day? Yes. Isaiah chapter 65. Go home and read it. Isaiah chapter 65. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be blessed now. You are waking. And remember I showed you all those verses. Satan has no power over you. The lion and the lamb, the serpents, the snakes, the vipers, everything has no authority over you. On my holy mountain nothing can any means hurt you. Say nothing. Can any means hurt us. Amen? Let's just pray. Father we come before your throne of grace so master. Father, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. But I pray this, uh, this revelation of Mount Zion will become so rich into every brother and uh, sister's life, O Master. Lord, you will show it from the scripture to them, O Master. Lord, when the enemy comes against them, that they sh- need not suffer the things that belong in the world. That you have kept them from the enemy. Father, we studied so many things, O Master. All we know that we are the church of the firstborn. Our names are registered in heaven. And we belong to you, O Master. And Father, we are called by your name. And I pray that this revelation will grow and grow and grow and they will reap the benefits of it. When the world is shaken, these, my brothers and sisters, will not be shaken. Their children will not be shaken. For their children will be called the blessed of the... They will be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord. Lord bless each one of the members. Every need, God says, every need that you have is now met because you are on my mountain. So you come boldly before my throne of grace because you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You have not come to a mountain that condemns you. You have come to a mountain that does not condemn, you, that blesses you, that calls you my son. Where angels are at standby for you to meet your every need. Where God himself hearkens to your voice and answers you even before you call. When no condemnation of the enemy can stand against you for he himself is fallen and he does not have access onto this mountain. So he is not even on this mountain to condemn. So rejoice says the Lord for your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of Life, And I will never blot it from my book, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. I just want you to receive it in your spirit right now. I know, just like God, uh, Jesus to a blessed are those who do not see but yet believe. I want you to believe this word. I want you to believe this word. If you can believe this word, you will will keep the benefits of this word you not suffer with the word because you are not of this world. you don't have to suffer unnecessarily for this word and spiritualize all the sufferings you don't have to if you understand this word believe the word, the bible says sanctify them by the, your word, by your truth your word is truth and this word is no accident that has been delivered to you and has been entrusted to you for you to go ahead and share it with millions of people around the world that you are on the right mountain, the mountain of Zion, the mountain of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem. Thank you, Jesus. Receive it, says the Lord. The enemy doesn't want you to see this picture. Because he is haughty and proud. And he can think that he has found a nest of eggs to plunder. But he has no authority over you. But you being being, says the Lord... Can grab every viper from his den, and every plan of the enemy against your children, you can foil, because you have authority, and you have beaten your swords into plowshares, and your spears into pruning hooks. For your warfare has ended, and all your iniquity has been pardoned. Say, say to yourself, my iniquity. Has been pardoned. Satan has no authority and no access to me. I am perfect and righteous and seated with Jesus. Let's go ahead and receive. I want. I want to, I don't want to start. Can you help to start? You want to start flowing into your body? Areas in your life that the enemy has brought health sickness because he deceived you. That sickness leaves right now in Jesus' name, Lord. This world is Your world, oh Master. And if You have paid the ultimate price, and You have seen Your Son on Mount Zion, and You have begotten Him, and we are the Church of the Firstborn, the Church of the Firstborn cannot be sick. Sickness leave right now in Jesus' name. Informity, leave right now in Jesus' name. Every dis- disability leave right now in Jesus' name. For our bodies are the bodies of Jesus Christ. And no access to the enemy. Life spring forth and redeem our mortal bodies right now. In Jesus' name. And prosper us even as our soul prospers. Thank you, Jesus. Receive it. Get ready for great wealth to start flowing into your life, you say, I know, but I don't see it. Good. Because you can't see it, it cannot be shaken. The things that cannot be seen, cannot be shaken. Therefore, it is going to come to you. For he is faithful. His word is faithful. It has nothing to do with you. It is the work of God's hand. The mountain that was cut out of a, a the stone that was cut out of a mountain was cut out without hands and filled the O Lord, and became a big mountain. And that mountain is Mount Sin. That mountain is made without hands, brothers and sisters. You have no part in it. But the name of the Lord be glorified and therefore wealth is going to come into your life. Health is going to come into your life. Your children are going to prosper because the world will not know how this happened, happen. And they will say, how did it happen for you, brother? In one day, you said? Yes. In one day? Yes. In one day, can a nation be born? Yes. If my Jesus was resurrected in one day, how much more? Everything else. Thank you, Jesus. you spirits are always with you, Father. Our spirits are always with you, Father. Never separate. And therefore, we are always friend. Thank you, Jesus. Rejoice and be glad for good days. For better things are coming right now. The Bible says you will say come to a mountain and the sprinkling of blood that speaks better things. Say, better things is coming to me. Better things? I have them now. Amen. Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you. We thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your mountain. We thank you for your teaching us. Help us to grow alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.